know this isn't anything that's related to Asian culture or anything, but Dave, I've seen something on Twitter recently and then on these various like nerd websites I visit uh, throughout my day right. um, regarding American wrestling. And I know you're you're a fan of that. Oh, awesome. Or at least I see you post about it. I, I don't know if, if, uh, if it's something you like hate watch or, or, or exactly <laughs> what that deal is. But can you enlighten me and us hmm. and our... Uh, what? What are we up to? Like three listeners now yep. <laughs> uh, on the uh, the whole situation with AEW versus WWE. Okay, I don't know if it's going to yeah. be a, a super long conversation, but it's I, I, I've seen, I guess, wrestlers that used to be part of the WWE. that mm-hmm. are now over on AEW. Can you yeah. can you fill us in on that? OK, so I mean, I, there, there's a short answer and there's a long answer. And I feel like okay. uh, I, I can probably make it into a medium-length answer, perhaps by Sweet. skipping a few inf- <laughs> pieces of information. Um, okay. So it, essentially, AEW was spawned uh, off of the back of uh, comments that were made by, I think, um, Dave Meltzer, who is a, a preeminent or at least well-known wrestling journalist, who said that um, someone asked him, could anyone outside of WWE sell out a 10,000-seat arena? Mm. And he said, outside of WWE, I don't see anyone being able to do it. So Ring of Honor, none of the other American feds, Impact Wrestling, all that stuff. Um, Cody Rhodes, who had left WWE two or three years previously and was currently working for New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, heard that and he took it as a challenge almost somehow. So him and the Young, young Bucks got together and they came up with this concept for a one-off pay-per-view called uh, All In which took okay. place in Chicago, and I want to say it was about a year, a year and a half ago. Um, probably about a year, actually, because All Out, I think, was the, the one-year anniversary show. Um, and they basically said, look, we're just going to gather up all of our friends, all of the best wrestlers in the world that aren't committed to a contract that stops them from doing so, and we're going to put on one big wrestling show in Chicago, completely independently, all of our own money. And they did it. They sold out over 10,000 seats. I don't remember the exact figure, but it was well in excess of 10,000 seats. And um, that got the attention of Tony Khan, who is the uh, the son of the the, um, the owner of the... Oh, God, now I'm struggling slightly. Um, <laughs> You'll fit in so well. An American football team, but also, also Fulham Football Club, which is um, very important hmm. for people on my side of the, the, the pond. Um, and basically he went to them and he said, look, if you're interested in putting together a, a full-on wrestling promotion, I will put the money into it and we will put together something that works. And so AEW was born from that. Um, they put on their first weekly show two weeks ago, having okay. previously only run, um, I, I say only, like I could ever manage something like that. <laughs> um, I, they, they had only previously done like pay-per-views and like kind of house show kind of things, uh, which is like non-televised, uh, the house shows. Um, and yeah, they're two weeks in. They're doing reasonably well. I saw a figure the other day that said that between the first and second episodes, they had a tail off of about 23% of viewership. But that's completely normal for like the first episode of anything. You're going to mm-hmm. see a reduction in, in viewer numbers because you're, you're always going to capture a certain number of people that are just curious to see what's going on. And then yeah. what you put on TV is not necessarily going to appeal to everyone. So um, AEW um, is a thing. It uh, has got a TV deal with TNT, which was the previous home of WCW wrestling, which is a big thing because TNT have been out of the cycle 
wrestling is concerned since the WCW days. And um, WWE have seen them uh, on the rise and they're like, yeah, we don't want anyone to take our share of the pie, which is basically, you know, when somebody kind of like gets a birthday cake and they cut uh, a normal slice and then they pull it out, they put it to one side and then they take the rest of the cake (laughs) as a joke and they say, that's mine. I don't know what everyone else is having. Um, That's basically WWE. The cake (laughs) is the wrestling market and WWE are the ones that are taking like 99% of it. They don't want to see anyone kind of like take over on their patch. And it's going to be a long time before anyone is capable of doing that. Um, at the moment, I'd say it's a friendly rivalry, but there is a bit of controversy because NXT, which was previously WWE's kind of developmental brand, um, which they had exclusively on the uh, WWE Network, which is like a subscription streaming service that WWE launched a few years ago, um, they decided that they were going to sell that to USA and get it shown on a Wednesday night, which just so happens to be the night that, in, that uh, AEW uh, also shows their show. So there's already mm. we're already starting to see wars happening. Chris Jericho, who is one of the guys that you referenced that was previously a big WWE guy, he's moved over to AEW, uh, which kind of goes against what he'd always said, which was he would never wrestle for anyone outside of WWE, at least in the domestic American market. Um, and, okay. and so he's a big get for them. They actually had him become their first AEW champion which not everyone was for because he's seen very much as being on the decline. But it does make sense because you want to get eyes on your product. You want people to have a champion that they understand who he is and, and they recognize. And the, the only problem that AEW has is unless you're a massive Japanese wrestling fan or you were watching the, uh, the indies like Ring of Honor and stuff like five years ago or so, a lot of the kind of top line talent like the Young Bucks are not going to be people that you're going to recognise. So the big issue for AEW is... Oh, I've just pulled something out here. Um, the, big, <laughs> the big issue for AEW at the moment is uh, getting that recognisability for their talent as much as anything else and getting their market share. But so far, they're doing exceptionally well. I think they had over 1 million views for their second episode, uh, which is very, very good numbers when you consider that uh, WWE was getting in the... 2 million range before the the new season kicked off on Fox. Uh, Smackdown moved to Fox. I am exceptionally pissed off with Smackdown. I won't even hate watch it at the moment because of what they did. They um, People probably will have heard that Cain Velasquez signed for them and um, he, uh, he he's basically given up on UFC, he's given up on MMA for the short term and they're doing this program between him and Brock Lesnar and apparently just to make people actually interested, they gave Brock Lesnar the title and he literally, like, he squashed Kofi Kingston in, like, five seconds. Uh, and I'm not even exaggerating. And I, I was just like, it didn't need to be him. He didn't need the title. You've got a guy who's held this title since um, April of last, of, of last year and you've absolutely obliterated him in a matter of seconds just to put over your blue-eyed UFC boy. And it's just so I won't even hate watch SmackDown. I hate watch Raw. Um, I, I watch NXT and NXT UK, and I enjoy it. And I've watched both episodes of AEW, and so far, apart from one or two little logic uh, kind of holes that they've fallen into, um, that they've been doing really well as well. So it's an exciting time to be a wrestling fan, especially with New Japan still being a big thing. 
Um, and there's a lot of uh, independent organizations and, and quasi-independent organizations like Progress in the UK, Evolve in the US, which are kind of co-opted by WWE at this point. But it, there's an awful lot of good wrestling product out there. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good time to be a wrestling fan. Um, but, yeah, that, in a nutshell, a very large nutshell, <laughs> that is kind of what the AEW thing is at the moment. Okay, okay, well, that makes sense. Um, so it seems like, like you were saying, it, it kind of caught fire with the fans pretty quickly, mm. um, which is surprising. Um, and then I guess the, is it where the AEW takes a better care of the wrestlers, yeah. unlike the, the WWE? Um, I, I think that because it's a company that was founded by active wrestlers who have kind of come up, obviously uh, Cody Rhodes is a WWE wrestler, uh, the Young Bucks, mm. as far as I'm aware, have never wrestled in the WWE ring, even as like a, a tryout or something. I could be wrong on that. Um, Cody understands how WWE is run to a point, and um, being the son of uh, of a son of a plumber, um, he understands also how other companies have run because his older brother and his father were both wrestlers. Um, his older brother still is a wrestler, Gold Dust, <laughs> or Dustin Rhodes, as he's now got to call himself because he hasn't got rights to Gold Dust outside of, of WWE. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's one of the things. It's like your gimmick does not follow you mm. if you're a WWE wrestler. It's changed a little bit now. But yeah, AEW, mm-hmm. um, from everything that I've heard, they're really trying to make it a better organization to work for they have like a standard pay grade for all wrestlers regardless of their place on the card um which is different from how wwe and a lot of other places would do it um i think the women are paid at the same rate that the men are which is a fantastic thing to see because women's wrestling really has kicked on in the last few years um Mm -hmm. and um yeah i i don't know so much about the health and welfare of the wrestlers because I mean, Cody Rhodes allowed himself to get hit full on on the head with a chair, which was supposedly supposed to be gimmicked, uh, but it didn't quite work out that way, and he got quite a nasty cut. But in in the days of concussions and, you know, all of the problems that the the NFL have had and and wrestling has had with concussions over the years, it was something that a lot of people, including myself, had no taste for. Um, Mm -hmm. And it kind of pointed to the fact that they were still learning what they should and shouldn't do and what they should and shouldn't um, set a precedent for. Because once the owner of the company has done it, then a lot of other people will be like, well, why can't I do that as well then? So, um, yeah, I I definitely think that AEW is a a company that looks out for their wrestlers, certainly on a financial level, a lot better than than WWE does. Um, If you just look at the fact that everybody is paid the same rate, men, women, um, I, I don't know if like the the referees are on a similar rate, but it would kind of make sense because you can't have a match without a referee, and there's some very talented people in the uh, in the industry at the moment who are making waves. But yeah, I, I think that AEW's definitely got the potential to be a force for good, and um, if they manage to get themselves a sizable chunk of the market, which they do at the moment, and they keep that chunk then WWE have got a serious competitor who they need to compete with, not just in terms of storylines and TV product, but also they need to compete with the talent because they've got to say, okay, look, you could go to AEW and they'll give you this, this and this. So now we need to give you this as well. We need to treat you as fairly as AEW. Um, and it's always been the case. It's it's a well-worn maxim, but it, it's absolutely true. Uh, competition is good for wrestling. It's good for for any business. You know, competition mm-hmm. is absolutely what you need in in all walks of life because otherwise you become really stale and you stop trying. So, 
yeah, I'm all mm-hmm. for it. I think that they're, they're going to be a good thing. Well, speaking of stale and not trying, <laughs> uh, we're glad to have you on the podcast today. <laughs> and I appreciate you uh, diving into that. I didn't give you a heads up no, on, no. Uh, on the wrestling talk, but I'm glad you had everything at the top of the dome oh, and yeah. were able to expound on it. Uh, I mean, for the most part, yeah. <laughs> I, I never turn down, as you can probably tell, I never turn the opportunity to um, talk about wrestling. So uh, Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's informative. <laughs> I've, uh, I'm not really into wrestling myself, but every once in a while um, we'll have these wrestling events that come through and sometimes my in-laws will invite my wife and I to to go to some of these events mm-hmm. um they they kind of watch wrestling off and on um they're not like real big into it but it's something that they'll they'll kick on on occasion but uh yeah. we've been to a couple of I think raw mm-hmm. um uh events and um I always like uh, whoever the like luchador like character is sometimes it's uh <laughs> Rey Mysterio yeah. but then there was like another guy but I just like any character that reminds me of Spider-Man where they like flip around and wear masks and everything. You're simple, man. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm very, I'm on brand with all of that stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun event. I was kind of surprised. I don't know why, uh, when I went to those where, um, you can't hear the announcers talk, which is yeah. something I remember, you know, from growing up watching wrestling and everything. Um, but it's just like a, a regular sporting event here. You don't hear the mm, announcers. Mm. You just hear the drunk guy next to you just screaming. I hate that. Uh, <laughs> I hate that. I, I was, in a, I was a, a taping for NXT UK over last weekend, and we had a guy behind us that was, he was trying to be funny and clever at the same time. And in my experience, you have to be very talented at comedy to be able to manage both. Mm especially at a live event and to a point where he was just grating on all of us. It was like he was always backing the wrong person and he was saying, oh, well, this person's rubbish and just constantly on their backs. And I'm just like, do you know what? What what we really need, and some sports have done this now, if you look at something like snooker, which I know is not like a mainstream sport in most places in the world, but over here it's like Mm. second only to football. Um, In the snooker... All of the people in the arena have these little kind of personal CV, like FM radios that they can hang over their ear. And it looks like a Bluetooth ear set almost. And it it taps into the commentary of the TV team that are there. And I think that's a trick that a lot of these uh, companies in in all sports actually are missing out on. Is that, yeah, you get a certain appreciation for any kind of sport or entertainment just by sitting there and experiencing it live. But sometimes it would be nice to have the option to give yourself that extra little bit of um, of entertainment through commentary or something like that. You know, maybe you're not in, in entirely understanding what's going on and the commentary team may have an idea of what's going on and be able to explain it for you. And that's not just mm-hmm. in wrestling. That's like all sports because I'm sure sometimes you see a, a decision made on the field, whether it's soccer or NFL or hockey, and you're like... I don't really understand that. I mean, NFL is a bad example because they've actually got really good at the referees just saying exactly what the foul is for. But certainly there are <laughs> yeah. some sports where you're just like, I don't understand what the referee's done that for. I don't understand. So to have yeah. that extra little um, tool available to you as a spectator would be really cool. So I think that's something that wrestling could do. I think that's also something that a lot of other sports could do as well. But yeah, oh, crowd. Um, the worst thing about live sport is, is sitting with other people. And, put, and, yes. and putting up with what they have to say because I just sit there and I'm I'm like a I I don't know I just sort of zone out I I just get into it I don't comment I don't chant very often um, unless it's overwhelming um, but everyone around me could I could cheerfully see them all die 
at times. I really could. They're terrible people. That's yeah, that's incredible. I mean, Stephen and I talk about that uh, here amazing. on the podcast, especially when we go see a, a movie, you know, oh, just God. like a movie theater experience, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, you have people. And I don't know what it is. It, I don't know if it's because I don't know, but it seems like it's more prevalent now than it was like maybe five years ago for me yeah. to where I'll go see a movie and then somebody's just like loudly talking, just having a conversation with their neighbor on their phone. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is, but it's, it seems like it's something in the cult. And it's not like, Oh, it's these millennials that are doing this. It's like mm. older people, like no one is spared. Yeah. Like everyone, <laughs> everyone's a, dick. a potential. Yeah. <laughs> everyone's a potential dick in the theater. So it's, it's insane. It's yeah. Madness. Brent and I don't do a lot of uh, live events, I think, overall. Like, uh, I wouldn't, uh, I don't even like going to the theater anymore just because it's been such a, a bad time like that. But uh, Brent and I don't sports a lot. But uh, that's exactly what I don't like about sports is that I can't hear, like like you said, like the commentators. Like, I, I definitely need that. I need to know what's going on. I don't know these things well enough mm-hmm. to know, like, who I should be reading for or what's what's happening or whatever. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just... I'm just, I'll just stay away. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> well, uh, Stephen, I think we've, uh, we've, yeah. we've got a pretty decent intro here. You uh, want to go ahead and kick things off? Oh, sports. What's that? <laughs> we did another sports tour. We didn't even mean to. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just going to say we're doing it. So uh, I'm Stephen. I'm Brent. I'm Dave. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. I, yeah, I like uh, the, the intro from <laughs> it was like uh, you were saying earlier that uh, uh, we kind of, kind of wing it. We have like little parts of our script that we throw in here and there. So uh, we'll mm-hmm. just keep everybody on their toes. Always good times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So welcome to uh, Let's Talk About Stuff. Welcome. Welcome. And uh, listener, if uh, you are hearing a third voice, uh, then uh, you're not hallucinating. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Maybe you are. Maybe you took some shrooms. I don't know. Maybe hey. some, makes the uh, podcast sound better. You know what? Let's all try it. <laughs> but, I don't think that's uh, a good idea for our podcast. <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah, just take some it's shrooms, fine. go drive around the neighborhood. It'll be okay. All right, yeah. cool, cool. But drive quickly so people don't catch on. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the third voice you are hearing is the voice of none other than Mr. Dave Roberts from the, is it UK? Is it England? Britain? You know All what? I'm a stupid above. American. <laughs> All of the above. Awesome. All, All right. All of the above. It can get a little bit confusing sometimes because uh, mm-hmm. we've got... It's like they're all their individual countries, but we also count mm-hmm. as a as a country in collective. And there's a difference between Great Britain and UK, which is all to do with Ireland. And it's just like mm. I, I at this point, I, I it doesn't bother me at all. I know there are some people out there that are like, no, you have to say I'm English, and it's like, come on, dude, we've had it so <laughs> we've had we've had such a a good go of it. It doesn't matter what we're called, to be honest with you. <laughs> I've always wondered that though because I, I I think I I generally say the UK but then yeah. I was like but is that is that right now it's like one of those things it's like you realize like growing up you're like I might have been saying that wrong this entire time I'm gonna no, be offending no. an entire culture of people but I'm glad no. you're not no you're absolutely you're, you're absolutely Sweet. fine the the only risk with it is if you call someone from the Republic of Ireland um, if you say that they're from the UK because. Yeah, oh, yeah, that that will not go down well at all, <laughs> with good yeah. reason, because we've been massive arseholes to them for years. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Stephen is in Texas, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, that's one of the, the, the bigger states. There's all kinds of different uh, big cities where people go and tour and have things. I'm in Oklahoma, which is boring Texas, just right above it. That's a good way to describe that. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but uh, yeah, overall, we're uh, we're uh, three hosts in two countries on one podcast here. Very That's the official countdown to <laughs> mediocrity, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, wait, no, the show's good now. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, so in, enjoy that. But, uh, Dave, thank you for being on the show today. We're, we're glad to have you. Oh, well, and, thank you uh, for having me. I'm, I'm really uh, flattered that anyone would ever want me on one of their shows. So, uh, you know, whenever, <laughs> oh, I, no. whenever I get an invite for this kind of thing, I'm just like, oh, you don't know what you've just done, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we are on, uh, what are we on, episode 115 yeah. now? of our of our podcast i'm sure our listeners are tired of us uh talking so uh it's always good to have an extra voice in here uh, to to take up some some uh, room in here and uh help us just kill this runtime you know uh last time we did like a 53 minute podcast uh oh god that's short by my standards right yeah yeah. yeah. normally it's it's like two hours plus but uh but but yeah so um you know we do an annual like Asian pop culture show uh, where we dive into like different uh, movies and uh, and you know some manga and and, and music and whatnot. Um, and so this year we thought, what better way to do an Asian pop culture theme but to go international? So of course, going to the UK uh, for your expertise, Dave. Um, but uh, you are. A, a fan of, of Asian culture, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, definitely. Um, from like a super early age as well. Um, Ooh, cool. And I, I don't know what it was that appealed, whether it was just, oh, look, cartoons that aren't Dog Tanyan and the Free Musker Hounds or, or what. But, um, <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's, it's weird. I, I think I was hooked by anime very early on. Um, Channel 4 have a lot to answer for. Uh, because late mm. night they used to show a, a program called Legend of the Four Brothers, which was um, I, Ninja Turtles. Is that no? Is that right? No, it wasn't Ninja <laughs> Turtles. No, no. These these brothers were they were four human brothers who, um, and I've not watched it in years, so I, I'm going to get this totally wrong. But I believe they were like demigods who could transform into dragons. Um, and mm. there was like your prototypical bad guy who was like really, really ugly and deformed, and he was like, ah, "I'm evil because I'm evil, and I'm going to take over the world." And <laughs> the four dragon brothers were just there to kind of stop him on a weekly basis. It was kind of like Power Rangers mixed with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, on, hard. it's on YouTube as well. Like I found an episode oh, awesome. just before I came on. I wanted to kind of get everything uh, kind of down uh, as far as like the name of the show and everything. Because um, nice. I knew I'd probably touch on it, um, and yeah, it's all on there. It's the UK dub as well, which is terrible. Um, <laughs> but I'm a big fan of awful dub. Um, awful dubbing is my thing, and I don't know if that's potentially where a lot of people kind of. Do you remember like um, it wasn't uh, Kung Fury? There was another kind of like piss take of of an um, uh, like a. I think it was like a Chinese kung fu movie, but they had mm. like a Western actor playing the lead role, and they intercut. I, I believe you're talking about Kung Pao. That is exactly what I am talking about, Brent. Yes, I, I, will, I was a huge fan for that, and I I bought the DVD, and I remember watching it over and over again, mm. and then uh, watching the um, they had like different versions of the audio right. to where like like he would say stuff. The the American actor he would say stuff, but it would be overdubbed. Yes, but you could go back and listen to a version where you could hear what he's actually saying without the overdub oh, it's just like random shit or whatever <laughs> uh, but it was incredible i love that movie i i haven't seen it in like a decade or whatever but at the time i remember really liking it yeah no and and it's that kind of that comedy of the bad dub which uh, makes a badly dubbed movie or tv show just fantastic to watch um, because yeah. the delivery it's like um 
I think at some point they've done like four or five different dubs of Dragon Ball Z. And the most famous example of yeah. that is the multiple different versions of what's his power level? It's over 9,000. And like there are <laughs> so many different dubs and most of them are hilariously bad. Um, but yeah, so that, that's kind of, that, that was where I kind of got into it. And then they showed Ghost in the Shell, uh, which is just like an all-time classic. And then another movie which we talked about on one of the first few episodes of Eerie International, which was um, Urosuke Doji, which is Legend of the Overfiend, which is basically tentacle porn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have our attention. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, I mean, it's, it's an awful, awful, nasty horror anime, which um, I can't stop watching. Uh, it's, it, it, it's so so good but so so bad um, it, it's it's one of those ones you wouldn't show your parents or your girlfriend or possibly anyone else on the planet but uh, it, it was one of the ones that Channel 4 decided to show um, like Channel 4 at one point were the kind of upstart TV channel that used to show all of the stuff that the the establishment hated so they were like anime and adult movies and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, anime was kind of like the only stuff that I focused in on because I was a weird child. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and then, yeah, from there it was kind of like, um, it was always in the background, but uh, the time that I was growing up, kind of like in the 90s, because the internet wasn't really established at that point, um, Japanese culture was just starting to leak in but it wasn't easily accessible. So for years and years and years, I was kind of like a recovering anime fan. And then <laughs> out of nowhere, the internet started opening things up and HMV started selling DVDs left and right. And Dragon Ball was a huge thing in like the late 90s, like mid to late 90s. Yes. And that's really what kind of kicked it into high gear. Um, but you don't understand how much Japanese culture leaks into Western culture if, you know, mm -hmm. without really paying attention, like the number of cartoon series that were in the uh, the UK and and obviously in the US as well, because that would be the only way to make it kind of economically viable for them, um, that were originally Japanese, is Ooh. just absolutely mental. Like Mysterious Cities of Gold, uh, which was uh, this weird sci-fi, ancient Incan thing i can't even tell you what it is exactly um but it was like because these things came over and they were given a dub you just thought oh well that's that's obviously a, a western cartoon because it's like american sounding voices or british sounding voices mm -hmm. um like dragon ball is a huge example that a lot of people didn't realize obviously things like pokemon and and stuff like that later on mm -hmm. um you know there were people out there that didn't realize they were watching anime it was just cartoons to them but yeah, you know, um, as the internet has taken hold, I think it's become a lot more obvious, and it's probably because the weirder side of anime has started to infiltrate uh, popular culture, like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Everyone's talking about stands on Twitter all of a sudden, and it's just like, <laughs> okay, I get what you're talking about, but why is everyone mad about stands all of a sudden? <laughs> like, it's just absolutely <laughs> mental. So. Yeah, it, it was um, it was something that I kind of grew up with, and and then found love with again later. Um, Bleach was a big one for me. It was like an ongoing TV series. The Japanese do mm -hmm. this better than pretty much anyone else. Um, Bleach went on constantly for about four hundred and fifty episodes every Damn. single. Oh my god! Yes, every single week with very few gaps. Um, and it was just like that, that. That was fantastic. It was just something I could rely on every week 
for the best part of eight or nine years and then it came to an end and I was like well I guess I'm watching other stuff now um, yeah <laughs> what do I do with my life <laughs> exactly exactly and, that, and that's just anime you know like yeah. uh, I, I tried reading the Bleach manga and I kind of I was kind of like this is pointless because I've already seen all of this in motion mm. so I kind of didn't really yeah. worry about that and, and manga's always been the kind of thing where I've been like I really want to get into it more but anime is so much easier to watch or to consume. So I can mm-hmm. literally just sit there and the pictures tell me the stories without me having to flip pages. I'm very low maintenance me, you know, just put me in front of the idiot box and I'm happy. Um, but recently I, I started reading more manga. I picked up the first collected edition of Berserk, which if, I mean, if Junji Ito does it for you, you want to mm-hmm. check out Kentaro Miura. Because that dude is just mental. The stuff that he comes up with is just equal parts stunning and disturbing. Um, and yeah, and then, and then obviously you reached out to me about this episode, so now I've been reading a lot of Junji Ito, and I'm loving that. And yeah, I'm I'm slowly but surely kind of like dipping my toes back into manga on a regular basis. Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we um, let's see. I think it was like a, a few episodes ago on Erie, hmm. Erie International. Um, you had mentioned buying like a, I think it was like a deluxe version of the Berserk. That's right, manga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's black leather bound. Uh, oh. I think it's about yeah. six volumes combined, and okay. it's absolutely stunning. It's got like the little ribbon in it, like most proper books have mm. got to keep uh, your place. Yeah. You can, you can yeah. tell quality. Yeah, you can tell quality yeah. when they give you a ribbon. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, I was loving it, and I saw the spine, and I noticed that a big gouge had been taken out of the spine, and there's like uh. this white blotch. Nothing a black marker won't take care of, but it's just, it's gutting. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Just the quality of, of this uh, volume is, is just above what i would expect from from just like a like a manga so i'm definitely going to carry on collecting these and they are big heavy books i'm holding it right now it's kind of like (laughs) it's kind of like if you had a bible but it had all pictures and (laughs) demonic possession i suppose the bible might have demonic possession in it i've not read it for a while uh yeah you're converting bread right now yeah Yeah, this is working (laughs) (laughs) but it it is a big thick heavy tome and i've flown through it so quickly um yeah absolutely loving that berserk is is like an all-time classic it's definitely something if you if if things like frankenstein tickle your um your interest Mm -hmm. then berserk is definitely kind of like the next step up because they have the gore but also like it it tackles some really um some some really deep subjects and there's a lot of like psychological stuff going on as well it's not just big muscly man with impossibly huge sword cuts demons into pieces for fun it's actually Mm -hmm. like there's pathos and drive and and characterization and there's so many characters that are brought in and that they have so much development done on them as well. It, it's so rare that you get a piece of, of, of any kind of uh, entertainment that spends so long padding out the, uh, the, the characters um, as this does. But, but you, you do, you know, and you get like one shot characters mm-hmm. that literally appear for just one story. And you, you absolutely, by the end of that story, you feel like you know them as a person. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, so yeah, I would definitely recommend if anyone's into uh, reading manga, if they've got an interest mm-hmm. in reading Berserk, then the deluxe edition it is a little bit more pricey than buying the standard stuff, but you get what you pay for. It's really, really good. 
It has a ribbon. You can't go wrong. <laughs> it has a ribbon. It has a ribbon. So you know the quality's there. Yeah. Um, that, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I definitely want to check that out because I've been trying to, to, to get into some more manga here recently. Mm-hmm. Um, just like I've always liked uh, like anime when I was growing up. I was a, a big fan of Dragon Ball Z, mm-hmm. um, but manga wasn't as like prevalent in like the U.S. during that time, I guess, yeah. or at least yeah, yeah. not to where I had access to it. Again, I live in boring Texas. <laughs> so um, it, it wasn't until like, I don't know, maybe the past, like since the early like 2000s where um, you could go out to like at your local bookstore and find all kinds of different volumes of, of manga and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I've been trying to dip into it a little bit more, um, especially since they offer such a wide variety on comiXology. Uh, I bought uh, like the first three volumes of uh, Dragon Ghost House Hunting, um, uh, the first of which I read. Um, it's it's just bonkers, but it's, it's goofy <laughs> as far as like anthropomorphic animals. So I'm in already. I bought the first uh, <laughs> first volume of Crocodile Baron. <laughs> Um, which is a, a baron who is a crocodile. Um, sure. So that, that's good, yeah. <laughs> doesn't sound as good as land shark. I'll, I'll, I'll say that much. <laughs> or shark bear or whatever it was called. I can't remember now. I think it was... Oh, grizzly, grizzly shark. shark. Grizzly that's shark, that's it, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Now you're talking. Um, uh, I've got the first volume of uh, Dr. Stone and the first volume of uh, Plus Size Elf. So I'm trying to, mm. trying to get more into it. Uh, I do like... Um, I lean toward, like animal stuff I lean toward like comedy um and there's like I think when most people think of manga they think of like like hentai type of stuff or they think of like yeah. very specific like, like Dragon Ball Z yeah, or whatever like shonen stuff you know? like a lot of uh, yeah. fighting adversarial stuff yeah yeah mm-hmm. I, I get you yeah um yeah it's so much more varied than that like th- there is oh yeah there's so many different genres of, of manga out there it's it's literally like it, it's just a different form and and we we say this about comic books as well all the time it's just a different form mm-hmm. of literature that's all it is um, yeah. and like any any type of story that you could tell in in prose, you can absolutely tell in comic books, and you can tell in in manga as well. So, um, oh, yeah. you know, there's everything. Slice of life is something that I I really like, and I, I think that's mainly because of um, like th- these kind of comedy slice of life uh, school shows that you get with just ridiculously stupid characters. Um, I'm I'm trying to think off the top of my head now of um oh god there was one there was a meme that was generated off the back of it of this uh, girl called um osaka who literally just gets elevators and escalators confused and so there's this entire <laughs> scene where she's just sitting there saying elevator escalator and she's trying to remember which is which. It's just Azumanga Dio is the name of it. It's absolutely amazing. Um, like one of them has this father who is actually a giant cat, so you'd love it, Brent, straight away. Um, you know, oh, yeah. having people. <laughs> and and um, she imagines that he's Father Christmas for some weird reason. And then in perfect English, which for anyone that's not aware is like uh, when the Japanese say English words, and they pronounce them differently because, like, phonetically, their mouths are not used to making certain syllables. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, they don't... There's not many native Japanese speakers that are easily able to pronounce the letter L. So, English it kind of makes sense. So, yeah, <laughs> he just turns up randomly and just goes, Merry Christmas! <laughs> it's the weirdest thing 
Oh my god! And and I've watched Tentacle Born, so I know weird things. <laughs> yeah, that's the weirdest thing I've seen. This is the weirdest thing I've seen: is a giant cat man pretending to be Santa, wishing you a Merry Christmas in English. Um, but it's just it's so fun, and like the, the amount of heart in a lot of these things, uh, that's what keeps people coming back. It's characterization. It's yeah, it's mm-hmm. all of those things. Uh, a well-told story. It doesn't matter what medium it is. It's a well-told yeah. story. So. Yeah, for sure. Plus, I would I would add to that too. Like, I didn't grow up with um, any like manga or anime. I was never into any of that um, mm. general like Asian pop culture and stuff. Mm. And uh, once you know, now that we have been doing these shows in the last few years, it's really gotten me to like some of the stuff and be like, oh, this is all really good. But there's also something to say, like whenever I would look at their, like their pop culture output and stuff, I, I didn't understand it from the outside and not, not reading it. And then yeah. when you read it, it's like, they're just, they're just like us. Like it's, they have the same worries. They have the same yep. horror stories, you know, like they take it different ways. They do things in a different style. But, uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's all, it's all a human story. And it's like, there's so much out there that I was just missing out on. I just didn't realize it was up my alley, you know, cause I never gave it a shot. So, yeah. mm-hmm. um, Dave, mm-hmm. So we've we've gone through your your history of uh, like Asian culture and, and things of that nature, yeah. but let's uh, let's jump forward to today and uh, talk about your uh, your being the host of I think it's uh, like eighteen hundred different podcasts. Is that, <laughs> oh, wow, is that nice. right? No, it's not that many. It's only like maybe six hundred. Uh, no, I, I've okay. got kind Sweet. of uh, I. It's complicated because we're having kind of like hosting issues and stuff. Um, I have my own kind of very, very rare podcast that is kind of like an emergency dump zone for anything that I want to talk about that doesn't fit into any Mm -hmm. of the others. Um, That's called the BS Cast, and uh, it used to live on bscast.com. But because of hosting issues, that's kind of been shut down temporarily. Thank you, GoDaddy. Um, so yeah, that's that's been that's been shut down. All of the episodes still exist. I have them all backed up on archive.org, which is a wonderful resource uh, for any kind of like budding podcasters that want to get into the into the, the um, doing podcasts. You can use archive.org uh, to kind of host all of your episodes for you. Um, it's not what it's there for. Yeah, that's cool. But you can do it. You can do it. So, so yeah, they're all there and, and backed up and, and ready to go. But I just need to sort that out. Um, Dave and Tom versus is another one which we haven't done for a little while because Tom's been very busy. He recently joined Cultaholic.com, um, who um, talking about wrestling like at the at the yeah. beginning of our conversation there. That um, they just constantly they're like the one of the go to places uh, to get um, thoughts and theories and, and general chat about wrestling as well as other uh, aspects of nerd culture but it does tend to focus mostly on uh, um, wrestling um, so because of that he's, he's really not had uh, enough time to focus on extracurricular projects so we've kind of had to stick a pin in that one for the time being um, the two ongoing shows which uh, one of which we've already mentioned Erie International uh, with uh, Andy and David um, it's a horror podcast. Uh, we will uh, convene once a week to talk about different things in the horror universe. Um, funnily enough, you guys have inspired us to next week cover the um, the anime adaptation of the uh, the Junji Ito short stories. Um, it's Sweet. called oh, yeah, cool. so it's called Junji Ito Collection. It's available on Crunchyroll.com. I'm not being paid for this. Uh, it's not a sponsorship. <laughs> I wish they would though. We've got an ongoing joke on our other podcast about just 
why the hell are we not getting a sponsorship from Crunchyroll? Because we, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we publicise them constantly. But I've got a free account with them. So um, with, the, with a few adverts, you can watch pretty much anything mm-hmm. on, in their library. So it's all available to be watched there. Hmm. And um, there is actually at least one story in the Frankenstein um, volume which makes mm-hmm. it into the um, into into that collection. So it's definitely worth checking out if anyone has cool. has read this. Yeah, it is. Anyone that's read Frankenstein and and the other stories in the back, if uh, if they enjoyed those, and they definitely want to check out the the collection. Um, and uh, the the other one, which funnily enough that would have fit into as well, is Generation Animation, which uh, we release mm-hmm. of a Sunday. We got a brand new episode coming out. Um, on on today um, as as we record, uh, where we will be talking about Initial D, which is uh, it was actually my pick for the week, and I've got massively into Initial D recently, which is about illegal street racing in Japan, um, kind of drifting. Mm. Uh, so if anyone's seen Tokyo Drift, it's that kind of deal. <laughs> um, yeah. That's most people's entryway into illegal Japanese street racing is is uh, Tokyo Drift. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that that's definitely worth checking out if anyone likes animation. We cover everything, not just Japanese. We've talked about um, claymation, British animation. Uh, we've talked mm-hmm. about a lot of American stuff, Korean stuff, Canadian stuff. You'd be surprised how many shows are made in in um, in Canada. That's um, interesting. Yeah, and yeah, part of that that Star Wars holiday special that was was it? Um, oh yeah. Yeah, it was like the, the animated, animated part parts of it. Of it. <gasps> yeah, that was done in Canada. Okay. And I was like, boy, that, something seems off. Like, <laughs> why is Luke holding this maple syrup all the time? That's weird. There's a lot of hockey pucks keeps, in this thing. He's asking us what it's all about. I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> they can't not put it in there then. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, yeah you'll, you always notice with a lot of uh, Canadian animation, it's all based in Flash for some reason. We don't know why. It just is. Oh, weird, yeah. Um, yeah, but they're getting pretty good at it. So, you know, I haven't got yeah. any complaints there. Um, so yeah that's yeah. that's all of the podcasts um, and then like I've got a YouTube channel if anyone likes watching video games being played in, in te- ter- terribly I, I'm awful at video games um, <laughs> and I enjoy yeah, we showing, are too yeah, yeah I, I enjoy showing people how bad I am so um, <laughs> I'm, I, I've done a, um, a let's play of Kingdom Hearts I'm, I'm running through all of the main Kingdom Hearts games which is like a mashup between okay. for anyone that doesn't know Final Fantasy and um, and the Disney universe. So you play with uh, Goofy and mm. Donald uh, in your party. And uh, I mean, uh, anything that contains Donald Duck, I will absolutely consume because he's like my spirit animal. Oh, okay. Yeah, like nice. I, I I relate to him on a on a personal level. The way that he gets constantly angry at things and just goes off on one is like that's how I feel internally whenever I'm driving and someone cuts me up or you know anything like that. So uh, yeah, that that's that was quite fun. Um, I'm kind of halfway through Kingdom Hearts two at the moment, and then we'll be moving on to the latest one. And um, a little bit of Pro Evolution Soccer for anyone that likes football, uh, they can watch me play a little bit of Pro Evolution Soccer. Again, not brilliantly, but uh, doing better than the real life team that I'm playing as. So that's all good. Yeah, so <laughs> keeping myself busy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, awesome. man. You have a bunch of it. I didn't know about that. Um, I, I feel like I had heard about the, the. It's like let's play. It's on your Twitter. You'll put like let's play. Yeah, and like a link. I didn't. I thought that was another podcast or something. I didn't know what it was for. No, no. Um, yeah, it's it's for the YouTube. Um, it, yeah, it's, right on. It's gratifying to hear that people are actually noticing that though. <laughs> yeah, right on. No. Yeah, yeah. It's good. 
So yeah, that's uh, that's definitely something. In those Let's Play videos, I believe you're dressed like a sailor, but don't have pants on, like <laughs> yep. like Donald Duck. Is yep, that right? Absolutely. Yeah. A true hero. Okay. Of yeah. Yours. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm just literally just the top top half a sailor, bottom half birthday suit. Uh, that's that's how we roll. That's what we call Donald Ducking it. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Donald Ducking it. <laughs> sexiest show i didn't realize that youtube allowed that but i like that they uh they're, they're supporting your dreams you should only film yourself from the waist up that's how you get away with that okay there you go got it got it we just know that there's a cool party going downstairs yeah. oh yeah I, I once made yeah. the mistake of filming myself from the waist down and that didn't go very well at all had to take that down i lost my channel for a while yeah got it back. Yeah. yeah youtube are really touchy about that stuff he actually has two two different versions of the 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 let's plays top up is on youtube bottom down is on patreon (laughs) so i think you say pornhub and i like i like the idea of uh uh, if you put two of them other videos together it makes one person it does but there's a not safe for work version on the lower half yeah yeah you could hack a nintendo Nintendo ds and get the same effect you just play two different I'm going to go out and buy a DS right now, i got to say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's going to sell me on it, finally. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Put the D in DS. Hell, yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah hey, you, hey. you just you don't, you just don't want it. Don't get the 3DS because it's not pretty. All right. There you go. Yeah. You... <laughs> it's like it's coming out of the screen at me. <laughs> Grandma, no, don't play that. <laughs> oh, there's, a, there's an extra joystick on the screen? <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. So um, going back oh, to, to wrestling real quick, I saw semi-recently, it might have been like a couple months ago, that uh, in Japan, I think it was Japan, uh, one of the wrestlers, one of the featured wrestlers at an event was going to be Hellboy, um, <laughs> which was pretty strange. Um, so I guess they had a, a, somebody dress up as Hellboy and wrestle in a match. I imagine. Is that right? Yeah, I, I imagine. I, I'm also imagining that this was probably DDT wrestling. Um, because they're oh. one of those leagues that I mean, Jap- uh, Japanese wrestling normally is is taken very seriously. It's like a proper sport almost, because uh, it's very hard hitting. Uh, like the strong style over there is a way of life. But they have mm-hmm. other wrestling organisations that don't take themselves seriously at all, um, and include. <laughs> funnily enough, we mentioned um, when we were talking about this before AEW. Their current women's champion is a Japanese wrestler by the name of Riho. And she's been wrestling since, like, the age of nine, I think. Um, and Damn. Yeah, and, and she was, like, taking on, like, proper, fully grown male wrestlers and beating them. Um, Kenny Omega, <laughs> who is in AEW, uh, is famous for wrestling a broomstick, like, literally a broomstick. <laughs> Um, as well as th- there's another character. Wait, did he get pinned? I don't know. I think maybe actually. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll need to check. He just fell on him. He was just like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was like, damn, I can't escape his clutches. Um, and also, you can't pin a mop because or or a broom because it hasn't got shoulders. So how are you supposed to That's get true. that under the? You know, yeah, you can exactly. only win by count out. Um, and also there's a, 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 an inflatable um, like an inflatable doll I don't know if it's a sex doll or not I'm imagining it probably is um, yeah and that is anything can be a sex doll yeah. I mean you try her enough <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, and that 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 has had matches amazing matches with Kota Ibushi Kenny Omega um, lots of different wrestlers and really it's it sounds stupid but actually it does show the talent of the guys that 
are performing in the ring because they actually do make it somewhat believable and like they're pulling off moves with an inanimate object that don't make any kind of sense um, but the mm. fact that they've had Hellboy turn up that doesn't surprise me but I hadn't <laughs> heard of that at all <laughs> Yeah, I just Googled it. It was like a, a promotional thing for the video release. Oh, um, yeah. It said yeah. all, like all Japan wrestling or all something, all pro Japan wrestling. Oh, it could be all Japan wrestling then. Okay, yeah. Like yeah. Yeah, maybe. Oh, wow. Okay. I've not watched so, all Japan yeah. for a long time. So, I mean, I, even then it's only in passing. So I wasn't aware that they would do mm-hmm. stuff like that. Although, to be fair, New Japan, um, on the release of a, um, an anime series uh, based on Tiger Mask, which is a long-standing series. I think this one was called Tiger Mask W. They actually had one of their wrestlers, Kota Ibushi, who I mentioned uh, wrestling the inflatable doll. Um, he donned the mask and became Tiger Mask W oh. and competed in the ring. And they've done that a few times, actually. So it's not as unusual as uh, as you might think. This whole kind of like promotional stuff, they'll get paid a, an insane mm. amount of money. And the idea will literally be, we want you to have a character that embodies our... Uh, product and he's going to wrestle on TV and he's going to win a match. It's uh, yeah, it's certainly an interesting way of, of doing a promotional uh, thing for yeah. your company, and it, apparently it works because mm-hmm. it keeps happening. <laughs> well, I thought it was odd that it was going to be for the Hellboy home video release. Mm. Like the movie was kind of like <laughs> mostly panned. You yeah. know, I don't know if maybe the uh, like the Japanese view Hellboy as maybe a little bit differently or what their experience with like American, you know, movies mm-hmm. or, you know, things of that nature. If they just go all in, maybe it's just like big, dumb fun to them yeah. or how seriously they take it compared to, you know, us over here. But, um, I, when I saw the thing, I was like, so are they going to, are they going to paint up David Harbour? Yeah. Send him over there and start, <laughs> have him start wrestling. But then I think there were like some photos I saw later on where it was just like a Japanese dude that was painted up yeah. like Hellboy. Yeah. And, and yeah. There. I, I would go watch him dressed up if it was David Harbour. I'd be interested. Yeah. I, I think I would go. I would be like, all right, yes, he's wrestling. Okay. Like David Harbour seems like he'd be up for that, I feel. Yeah. I mean, they did have the, the star of the Arrow TV show on CW. Um, there you go. Yeah. He, he wrestled for AEW uh, in, uh, in All Out. <laughs> and he was literally dressed as like the green arrow he had he, he didn't have the top half on awesome. he was naked at the top half because he's got mu- oh the reverse donald the reverse, yeah. yeah he reversed donald it yeah he, he actually goofied it um yeah so he, he was wearing like the, the bottom half was like his outfit from arrow and then he was like well if i'm wrestling then i want to show off these muscles because i've worked for them so um, yeah. he wasn't wearing it at the top half so sometimes you do get people actually kind of step into the ring from other walks of life and he actually did a reasonably good job like you know for someone that obviously is into wrestling but hasn't performed at any kind of level mm-hmm. he held his own he did really well so yeah it's an interesting way of of, uh, of doing business but uh, it, it obviously works so uh, who am I to stand in the way of it well I think we on this specific topic we do have to mention that the Ugh. Current president of the United States, <laughs> Dipshit Donnie, was also uh, at a wrestling event, and he like smacked somebody or clotheslined somebody yeah. or something like that. There's, yeah. it's been turned into a meme a week uh, against like CNN yeah, or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> last week. He actually, um, in the storylines, he actually owned Monday Night Raw for about two weeks. 
Um, oh, yeah, wow. like he bought it from Vince McMahon, and uh, they they did a special episode three episode of Raw, and they ended up having a match, um, and um, it was a hair versus hair match, Vince McMahon <laughs> versus Donald Trump, <laughs> and as much as oh, I man. wish that that um, what did you call him? Dipshit Donny. Dipshit Donny. I love that. That's great. Yeah, yeah, that's a good Thank word. You. Yes, I'm going to yeah. stick with that. Um, as much as I would have <laughs> yeah. loved to see Dipshit Donny like shaved bald as the day he was born uh vince mcmahon oh. actually ended up taking the loss so yeah um it, it's it's a moment in wrestling history along with chris benoit that we like to forget about because um, <laughs> yeah. oh, you know boy. uh it, i mean it's nowhere near as bad as the benoit thing don't get me wrong but it's certainly something sure. we don't want to be remembering anytime <laughs> right right yeah but yeah it happens Oh boy! Um, <laughs> wow how do how do we spring forward from you threw that? Me off uh, of, yeah, the dipshit Donnie, and and now I'm just like we like it's like the more info I hear about him, especially like stuff I didn't know that he like participated in back in the day. Yeah. I'm like we truly are living in the movie Idiocracy. Yep. We, we literally <laughs> have now. Now I found out that for at least two weeks, our president owned, uh, you know, Raw or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. Feeling really good about life. Uh, my leaders, just gotta say. Well, um, let's uh, let's move on to cheerier topics, and uh, let's just get into some uh, some Asian pop culture. Um, Stephen, do you mm-hmm. want to kick things off because uh, you had recently shown your wife Amanda mm. a movie that I believe all three of us really enjoy. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm kind of curious about that, uh, Dave, because mm. I, I assume you would too. But Britt and I, I think it was our first. Asian pop culture episode that we found uh, this movie, but uh, mm-hmm. we we watched and fell in love with years ago, uh, Train to Busan. Oh yes, yes, right, yeah, it's a great and movie and great movie. And um, and like I said, yeah, I just wasn't into you know any any anime or manga and stuff. But even like live action films, like uh, I was never really into like a lot of the like Asian horror films that came out. Mm. You know, I'd, I'd, I would see the remakes, the American remakes, like The Ring, but I've never seen Ringu and stuff like that. Um, so it makes me want to get more into that, but I, I legit fell in love with Train to Busan. Like I, I think that is just a solid movie. And I, the more I thought about it, I was like, I think my wife, Amanda would really like this. So we watched it last night and I have to say, I am so glad to report that, uh, she loved it. Um, she thought it was amazing. Yeah. Um, she cried many times, uh, cause there's a lot of, you know, hard deaths throughout Mm -hmm. it and stuff. But, um, but yeah, she uh, it was like an emotional roller coaster, and uh, every every little you know scare point or any like emotional beat that I was like touched by, everything hit her in the right spot. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, I was very happy to, to to introduce her to that, and it makes me want to just introduce it to more people because it's such a fucking amazing movie. Oh, it's fantastic! <laughs> it is fantastic. <laughs> and, so good. and also, I would recommend there is a prequel called Soul Station, which is mm. an animated prequel. Um, if you've not had the chance to see yep. that, I would definitely recommend it because it's just more of the same. It's it's excellent, really well done. Yeah, we we actually did that on our first Asian pop culture oh, episode. Nice. We did, I believe, we did those back yeah, to back, right? Yeah, we did Soul Station and then Train to Busan, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the uh, it, it was interesting to me that the the same guy who directed like this anime movie then transitioned into a live action movie. Yeah. And he and just so well. killed both of them. Yeah, 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 he, yeah. he did a great like, job. There's a, a brilliant documentary. I'm not sure if you'd be able to access it or not, but I don't think there's a region lock on the NHK World app. 
Um, NHK World is like an English language um, Japanese news network that also shows documentaries and things like that. And there's a four-part documentary series called um, Ten Years with Miyazaki, uh, where they followed the uh, the kind of the head of Studio Ghibli, uh, Hayao Miyazaki, mm-hmm. around, and um, it basically follows him directing a bunch of the movies that came out in the latter part of his career mm-hmm. um, that's I mean, right I don't know why I've said it like that he's still with us yeah. Uh, but yeah so it's like Ponyo, Ponyo and things like that and that gives you a really interesting view into what it's like to be a director on an animated product especially um, from a Japanese like animation point of view uh, because it's mm-hmm. not just a case of him sitting there and saying, okay, in this scene I, I want to be at this angle and this and that and the other. He actually has to draw the scenes, you know, like he draws key scenes. I think they call them keyframes. Mm-hmm. And then the animators go away and they take these keyframes and they flesh them out into fully formed scenes. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's a lot more involved, I would say, potentially in being the director of an animated feature than there might necessarily be in a live action. I know they're both very different uh, mediums and that they take very Mm -hmm. particular skill sets. Um, But I think it would probably be a lot easier for someone going from animation into live action than the other way around. Yeah, yeah. That is interesting. It makes me think of, um, I can't think of his name right now, but uh, like Iron Giant, and then he went into like Mission Impossible. Brad Bird. Uh, Brad Bird. Brad Bird, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, like Mm -hmm. like him... um, coming from like the Pixar route and stuff and the Disney route or whatever and then getting to that and then he's he's an amazing live action filmmaker like mm-hmm. he his eye for action and different things um, it's like I, I wonder what those what their skills are like in each job like what that's like that that documentary sounds fascinating to me I I haven't really gotten into a lot of uh, the studio I don't even know how to say that Ghibli is that how you say it Ghibli yeah yeah Ghibli um, I've never really gotten into their stuff but I hear so many people are like in love with them and like the the art style is just like yeah. phenomenal yeah. And, and all that stuff so that's something i definitely want to get into but that that i love the filmmaking process so that documentary sounds fantastic yeah it's just it's wonderful how grumpy the guy is uh like he, he he's <laughs> like there, there's, well, this, already. there's this famous clip of uh, a bunch of uh, developers from like a cg studio coming in and showing him a clip of this cg thing that they'd made and he just sat there and he said uh, something along the lines of this is worthless or, you know, and he, he basically yeah. he tore into them and said, you have no heart, you have no skill. Uh, go away, you know, fuck <laughs> off, leave me alone. He, he's a grumpy, crotchety old man, but when you see the things that he dreams up, um, it's just hard not to just sit there and just admire him. But he's very stoic. He, he's mm. he's very close to the idea of, like, the, the stoic Japanese man, um, very in control of his emotions and... Um, mm-hmm. His son Goro. Um, the documentary follows him as well. Does he have four arms? No, no he doesn't have four arms. No. But he draws like he might. Okay. Oh yeah, he's he's, pr- he's <laughs> prodigious. Um, he was actually, I think, um, in fact, I know, he was an architect, uh, and he designed mm. the mm. Studio Ghibli, um, or rather the um, the animation studio where uh, Miyazaki works. He designed it, mm. um, and then somehow transitioned from architecture to uh, becoming an artist for Ghibli hmm. and then he released his first movie called Tales of Earthsea which is something that is in the documentary and um, it's fascinating watching his father kind of like how he reacts to it and the conversations they have the relationship hmm. between them but yeah Ghibli's amazing like we were talking before about how um, manga and anime is capable 
of so many different types of stories and that's kind of summed up by Ghibli because they've got everything you could possibly want in their library they've got The mm-hmm. Wind Rises which is a biopic of the man that designed the um, oh god the Zero something fighter the basically the Japanese uh, oh, fighter yeah. plane um, okay. and that was a problematic one because a lot of people were like oh if he's not careful he's going to glorify we've heard this mm-hmm. one before haven't we of Joker coming out if he's not careful he's going to glorify someone that probably shouldn't be glorified but the way that he approached it was just the character having a pure love of aviation and mm-hmm. wanting to create the best plane that he could create um, and, and you know he absolutely sidestepped all of the problems and made a beautiful movie which was historically reasonably accurate because obviously you've got to entertain people still um, but mm-hmm. visually stunning it has all of the magic of like one of the more fantastical Ghibli movies but it is a, it's, a, it's a biopic in animated form and it's absolutely wonderful and it's heartbreaking and it's joyful and it's everything every, every emotion is catered for in that one movie so mm-hmm. like if I was I don't know if I'd necessarily uh, recommend it to everyone as their starter but mm-hmm. if you're if you're perfectly happy sitting down and watching like a proper biopic movie uh, that covers the whole, whole gambit of human emotion, then that's definitely one that would uh, draw you in. Otherwise, my neighbour Totoro. That's always a good one to watch because mm-hmm. it's got a giant yeah. bear-like creature that makes funny faces. And who doesn't <laughs> love that? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you had you had mentioned that Miyazaki's son was an architect, yeah. and then he became an animator. Like, I guess if you designed the building. You could just like design your own office and not tell anyone. Yeah. Just be like, oh yeah, and here's, yeah. here's yeah. my office. Like, wait, what? That wasn't part of the plans. It's like, oh yeah, it was in Secret the tunnel behind so. the bookcase. You should have yeah, exactly. signed yeah. off on it. You should have read yeah. the plans more carefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then directly from my office, uh, there's a bathroom. And then on the other side of that, sex dungeon. <laughs> wait, what? Yeah. No, just go with there. Yeah, hey, I tell you what, I, I would normally be like, wow, that's a weird tangent. There's a podcast that I recommend to absolutely everybody that I can, and you have to be over the age of 18 to listen to this, Um, but it's called My Dad Wrote a Porno. Um, (laughs) And it's amazing. It's basically a guy who found out that his dad, inspired by E.L. James, had started writing his own erotic literature. And so him and a bunch of friends basically read a chapter of it every week out loud. And it has become a worldwide phenomenon. They've had that celebrities. Is awesome. Yeah, they've had like Daisy Ridley on the podcast. She's a listener. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, they've had all sorts of celebrities on there. Emma Thompson was on there, and she was amazing. Oh, oh my man. god, Emma Thompson is such a woman. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> she is, man. I was born in the wrong decade. Emma <laughs> <laughs> Thompson's awesome. She's amazing. Um, but yeah, yeah, so that's definitely a recommendation. But yeah, um, there's. <laughs> it's based in the world of pots and pans. And um, they just randomly have like a leather sex dungeon in the middle of their office. <laughs> it's the strangest thing. Um, so I, I was also, Stephen, when you were talking about uh, Brad Bird a minute ago, I wanted mm-hmm. to look it up and see if like what all he directed. And I came across his family and it says here that his brother is Big Bird. Oh, wow. I didn't know. Wow. Lives on Sesame Street. That was worth doubling back on. All right. So... <laughs> I like Brent's jokes whenever it's like, right, everybody? And then it, it, it causes a larger laugh for me. That makes me laugh a whole lot. I actually heard a cricket say, shut up, <laughs> idiot. And then it didn't even make a cricket noise. Wow. All right. Fair enough. Um, well, I'm glad that your your wife enjoyed Train to Busan. I haven't showed yeah, it to man. my wife yet. Um, I don't know if she would like it because mm-hmm. uh, of the, the subtitles, but yeah, I figure I'll just like 
get one of those uh, megaphones and sit behind her couch and just like scream the <laughs> the dialogue okay. into her ear. Is there not a, uh, just to really? Is, sorry, is is there not a dub yeah. for for Train to Busan? It feels like that's a, a real kind of that, mm. that's a big mistake if they've not included that. Because some people do I, want to listen. I don't remember there being one. Yeah, I feel like uh, there's probably one out there. I So when you mentioned earlier about liking like bad lip dubs, uh, like I, I like that. That sounds great. I don't like dubbing usually because it distracts me more uh, than like reading would. Yep. But uh, for Brandy, that might work. I have some friends who definitely like will not watch foreign movies that they have to read. So <laughs> I'm always like, man, you're missing out on a lot of stuff. But if they can find the dub one, if they watch the movie, then I'm I'm happy. So yeah, um, and especially for Train to Busan, like there's a lot of like action to mm-hmm. it, and a lot of like um, just emoting through um, acting to where you're not going to get bogged down by reading all the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas that same director's follow-up movie that we did last year, um, I can't remember the name of it. I'll look it up. But he, um, there was a ton of dialogue, and I was just like almost constantly reading. Um, and uh, I, there were points where I had to like tap back like ten seconds or whatever just to like to to view the action because I was so busy reading I missed like whatever action was going yeah. on during mm-hmm. that that event but um i would say for yeah. for training busan like i had already seen it a, a bunch of times and then you know i was just showing it to amanda i was in and out of our kitchen which i can see the tv mostly but um it was hard to like uh you know make some food or whatever and, and still read it and then finally i was just like you know what i know what's going on like i get the gist of yeah. it it's just they're just talking about train stuff right now it's fine like i know that this <laughs> is just some person here real quick and it actually like worked uh for the most part for me to still get like the the most of the story going on that uh that I'd kind of forgotten about, so. Mm-hmm. Oh, that other movie was Psychokinesis. I had forgotten about that. When you said that, I was like, we yeah. did watch another movie of this? Yeah, we did watch that. <laughs> yeah, I forgot yeah. about that one. That's funny. Yeah. It was good, but it was just like, it was a, a totally different experience yeah. than uh, watching Train to Busan, but uh, yeah, I, I do remember enjoying mm-hmm. it. Um, one of the other uh, things I want to uh, discuss is, um, you know, Steve and I, uh, uh, you and I both enjoy music. Uh, mm-hmm. Of different sorts, though. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very much a, an aggressive like metal, like hip hop guy. You like um, more like like pop music and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, even here in the states, I'll mention something to you and you'll be like, "What?" And then vice versa. You know, um, I still don't know who Casey Musgraves is. I yeah. assume she's some type of fairy tale character. <laughs> she she's a beautiful fairy tale character, and you should look her up. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, and Dave, I don't know, like, what what kind of music do you do you like? What what do you listen God, to? I mean, how long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> right. um, I I run the gambit from one end to the other. I'm just as happy listening to pop music as I am listening to some proper like hardcore. Uh, like I'd, I'd say maybe like death metal, black metal might be my limit. I'm not entirely sure if I'm mm-hmm. necessarily able to listen to that and really get any enjoyment out of it. Um, and, and that's just kind of because uh, that's kind of like how my brain's wired. Sure. But like my favorite band of the Foo Fighters, um, oh, I think yeah. that Fair pretty enough, much yeah. kind of sums up my range of taste because they've covered most yeah. bases. Yeah. The only place they haven't really gone is dance music at the moment. Um, baby Metal are great. If we're talking about Asian artists, um, they're fantastic. <laughs> it's free, like school age girls who sing heavy metal music and. Wait, what was this one? Baby Metal, they're called. Baby Metal? Baby Metal, That's funny. yeah. Um, 
who else? I mean, Narina Palo, who very few people have apparently heard of, and it's a crying shame because she's so talented. Um, she's from the island of Jersey, which is just like a... It's an island off the, the, the south coast of the, the UK. Um, brilliant singer-songwriter, a lot more poppy, happy-go-lucky kind of stuff. Um, she did a song which sounds really happy, but the title does not, and the lyrical content doesn't. It's called Everybody's Gone to War or everyone's going to war. Hmm. Um, and it came up around the time that there was some stuff going on in like Lebanon and places like that. And because uh, of friends that I have that are um, from that kind of region, uh, I, I was kind of paying attention to it. And this song came on at exactly the right time and it just kind of hit a chord with me. So I've listened to her ever since. She's amazing. Um, but literally anything, like I, I can actually, I'll, hang on, I'm going to click on iTunes. I'm going to open it up. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I mean, I've got ACDC in here. I've got the Solid. Blues Brothers compilation, Blur, mm. um, Bobby Roode's theme tune, because I'm an idiot and I buy wrestling themes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dizzy Rascal. That was a thing, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dizzy Rascal is pretty decent. Um, I, I know he's made a little bit of inroads into the US, but I don't know if he's massive over mm. there at all. Uh, but he's kind of like, he's a grime artist, which is kind of UK hip-hop kind of thing. Um, yeah, I started getting into Divinals, which um, I'm so sad that there's going to be no more music from the Divinals because the, the lead singer actually passed away a few years ago. Um, mm. But one oh, of their wow. songs, which if you're familiar with the Buffy movie, um, mm-hmm. is called uh, Go Ain't on. Gonna Eat Out My Heart Anymore. <laughs> um, okay. It's a song by the Divinals, which uh, featured quite prominently there. Eminem, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I, I've got a really kind of varied uh, yeah. library of music, and like I don't discount anything. Like I'll, I'm just as li- likely to um, bring up a, a classical music album and uh, and listen to a bit of that as as I am to listen to Foo Fighters or I mean David Bowie. That's another big one. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, lo- I love a bit of it all. Really, it just depends what kind of mood I'm in. I, I think that's what the real strength of music is. I don't know what you guys think. Uh, oh yeah, but like music mm-hmm. can really enhance your mood, or you can use it to change it as well. So um, it, it's it's whatever I need it to be at the time. I think is is probably the best way of describing my musical taste. I like is, that. Is uh, yeah. It's um, I've been trying to focus lately on because music to me we don't we don't talk about music a whole lot on the podcast. I think because it's it's generally kind of difficult to for me at least to to like review it and then like we have to splice in the songs and stuff and it's mm. it's been a little more plus difficult. there's that lawsuit that pending lawsuit <laughs> yeah, where we, people we are like you're not good at it please notices. stop no. yeah <laughs> but it's uh i've been realizing i just don't talk about it but it, music is actually a huge part of my life i just it's just stuff i listen to and i don't generally like have an opportunity to listen to it with someone else or or get someone hooked on someone that i like mm. um but i was like man it really is like if I'm feeling sad and I want to feel sad, there's songs for that. Or if I'm feeling sad and I want to get happy, there's songs for that. Like you really can like fit it however you need to for your mood and stuff. Exactly, exactly. And I'm I'm as guilty as anyone of being in a bad mood and just being like, "Fuck it, where's my stained albums? I'm going to listen to some stained to get really <laughs> fucking <Yeah>. depressed." <laughs> like, you know, and they're great for that. Nothing against stained. I love them, but they they're fantastic mm-hmm. for just darkening your mood. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Have you have you listened to to Stain recently? Not recently. Um, I so it's been a while. It, it, it has been a while indeed. <laughs> God damn it, Prince! 
<laughs> what the hell? <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Well done. I'm going to claim you. <laughs> no, I, I listened to. Um, they did a cover of the Sound of Silence, which took off a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's and good one. Um, that that is amazing. Like, I can't remember the guy's name, but the vocalist for Stained is just ridiculously talented. The, the range of his voice. Wait. Or am I thinking of another band? Uh, disturbed. Oh, it's Disturbed, disturbed isn't it? <laughs> yes, no, you're right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he really has range. He goes all the way from <laughs> to all kinds of things. Yeah. No, no, right. no, oh, that's that. embarrassing. Oh, I've got my metal bands confused no, now. No, 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 no. We, we got it. We got it corrected <laughs> yeah. on air. So, you know, no ugly no, letters. No. Except for the, uh, you know, the regular ones. We get. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, the, the reason I, I brought up music is because um, I wanted to run something by, by you guys. And Dave, you may have heard of this hmm. band. If so, um, let me reveal it to Stephen, if you know where I'm going with this. But Stephen, there's a, uh, a band in Japan. Obviously, this is the, the Asian pop culture mm-hmm. episode. Um, and there's actually a couple of them I like. There's this band called Cross Faith that's uh, pretty hardcore, um, but more aggressive than what you would listen to. Mm-hmm. But there's this other band called Man With A Mission. And um, yeah. they are pretty eclectic as far as like... <sighs> like rock music goes and um you know initially when i first heard them i was like oh this is a little bit like it's like a, a little bit punk poppy but also kind of like alternative and then there's a little bit of like new metal in there mm-hmm. and then there's a little bit of like dance in there i was like boy i wish there was like s- some new term that you could just like merge all these together and then after a while i was just like oh it's just just like rock it's just oh, they're, okay. they're a rock band <laughs> rock band out of japan right um and um they put out like Five studio albums. Uh, the members have wolf heads, and then uh, they've been together since 2010, um, and they're they're still touring. Uh, the heads of the band members are wolves, and um, <laughs> they're they're pretty eclectic. Um, they they uh, they do some of their songs in like sometimes it's like half English, half Japanese, or sometimes they record a full song in Japanese and then redo it and release it for American mm-hmm. audiences or um, English speaking mm-hmm. audiences. Um, with English lyrics in it, but uh, I cannot stress to you enough that the heads of these band members are in fact wolves. Um, Hence, why you love them so much. Have you had a chance to? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have you had a chance to to look them up? I am. Yeah. It's uh, right, okay. Definitely a yeah, wolf. Yeah. It's just. Yep. Yep. Five Asian dudes, all with wolf I, heads. On the little thumbnails, it reminds me of the like animatronic Chuck E. Cheese band a little bit like <laughs> yeah, it's like and they yeah. look really large like wolf heads but uh yeah they had to large. kick possum playing a banjo out of the band mm-hmm. um early on yeah. so they all just stuck and they went hardcore wolves, but, yeah yeah but the this brings me to something i love about uh japanese culture in particular i don't know if it spreads to other like asian territories but um they really have reverence for like mascot type characters mm-hmm. like there's this i can't think of his name but there's like some some character that plays drums like is a really like great drummer, but it's dressed up as like some like cat or something. But they they only address it as the character's name. They never ask, "Hey, what do you look like underneath there?" It's always just like just this is a, a, a this is this character, right? So it's kind of like the same way that American audiences just go with like the Muppets being a thing. <laughs> like Kermit the Frog is a, an actual person. Yeah, he has a social security yeah. number and everything. Um, but. I, I love that. I love that the the conceit is 
<laughs> this band of like wolf human hybrids got together, started playing <laughs> <Yeah>. music, <laughs> became a band, got signed, and started touring Look, and everything, putting out albums. If you're gonna have a hardcore metal band, I think wolves would be able to pull that off, like actual wolves. So a wolf person, I feel like, is absolutely the you know trajectory it should have gone. That's fair, but also, again, they are eclectic. They have some poppiness to mm-hmm. them. They have a oh, little right, bit yeah. of dance thrown in there. So, you know, it's um, really, you get to see all sides of the wolf uh, in that regard. I'm trying to, I think but, I f- found this cat thing too, by the way. I'm trying to look at the name though, so I'll keep you posted. I, I've, yeah. I've always felt that wolves were one of the funkiest of the animals. So, um, for, you know, for, for me, I, <laughs> I think right. that they can definitely <laughs> carry on the funk tune as well as, as hardcore rock. Fair enough. You know, they're, they're the Swiss army sure. knife of the, uh, the animal world. <laughs> that's right <laughs> at least musically and it's funny yeah. it's funny too because like all the wolf heads are essentially the same like mm-hmm. i think a couple of them have their tongues out but one's on the left one's on the right um but it's not like one wolf is like dark gray the other one's light gray and then one's mm-hmm. like you know red or whatever they're they're all essentially the same but what's really funny is when they play live um and uh, like I said, there's there's five members, one of which is a DJ. So, you know, I'm, I'm all in mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the DJ and the drummer, they wear the, the regular wolf heads that you see there and like the promo images. But live, the bass player, the lead singer and the guitarist, they all have like the wolf heads. But they've got like like the bottom jaw down. It's just like a hole where they can have like their like human mouths like sing or whatever yeah. but it's all like they wear like black makeup so you can't see it you know it's kind of like a stage hand that's all clad in black i'm getting serious like batman vibes off of this now <laughs> yeah right. i am the knight i am that's the lead awesome. singer <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah I, I wanted to make people well, aware because uh this type of band does exist in the world they're out there. Uh-huh. They're wolf people. We need to know. Go yeah. see them. We, we actually had them. a very similar band um, over in the UK. I'm just going to Google them and send you a, um, a, a link to a, a picture of them. Because uh, back in the 1970s, um, actually, if you just Google the Wombles, um, you'll see on the right-hand side. The, wo- the, wombles? the Wombles? yes. W-O-M-B-L-E-S. And it will come yeah, up with cool. pop group. <laughs> so the, the, the Wombles uh, originally it was a TV show for kids, and then uh-huh. one day they decided that they could make some money if they had uh, a band basically sing the theme oh, tune boy. to the Wombles, um, and then they released a bunch of different songs, including "Remember You're a Womble," uh, "Keep on Wombling," and uh, 2000. Who could forget 2011's "Wombling Free"? But yeah, that sounds like that sounds like a very similar, maybe not quite as hardcore. Probably typified by the fact that if you look at one of the videos for "Remember You're a Womble," there's a, a, a fucking rainbow in the background. But um, uh-huh. if you know, it, apart from that, I'd say yeah, that that seems like we figured out where the Wombles went. They went to Japan, got hardcore, <laughs> and turned into a wolf band. Fantastic. Well, I guess they're working on a new album called Wumble Free or Die Hard, so wow. that should be out maybe in 2020. Maybe they're getting harder. Like we yeah. look forward to that. Yeah. Well, so I looked up this this cat drummer for you, Brent. And, uh, oh, thank I, you. I, I, I apologize. I am going to butcher words here, um, but it's uh, it's Nyong'o Star. It's, uh, that sounds yes, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. That's right. It's, it's a cat fruit hybrid. It's a cat apple. Actually, that's right. Yeah, that's oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Way better. Um, it's, it's from 
It's from Ringo, <laughs> meaning Apple, and then I, I've always not never really know how to say this. Like like Neon Cat is how I've yeah, said it's, it. But it's, it's like Nyan. You, you, yeah. you got it. Nyan, yeah, Nyan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, for the the Japanese onomatopoeia for meow. Uh, so that's it. It literally is words put together meaning cat, like meow apple. Meow apple. I guess <laughs> more, but uh, but cat apple. <laughs> Um, yeah, and he apparently people online were like, he is a fucking good drummer, like legit. So I'm very excited to watch some videos later. He, he might secretly be a drummer yes. for another band. Maybe it's Dave Grohl. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> He's been doing this whole secret cat apple thing yeah. in Japan for years. Yeah. Nobody knew. Makes that would be amazing, actually. I think Dave Grohl could pull that off. 100. We'll, we'll tweet out a picture from the uh, the LTAS Pod account. But um, this this <laughs> this cat drummer, this cat apple drummer is actually like he's been on tour and everything and he's like sold out state or not uh, stadiums but like um venues and whatnot um so he's like a, a big deal and yeah he just plays drums like really well so it's pretty awesome you know in this day and age where we've got shitty businessmen who are now running a portion of the free world you know, you truly can be anything you want to be, even if you're a cat-apple hybrid. Um, go out there, live your dreams, he's, and express yourself. He's genuinely one of the cutest things I've ever seen. Right? <laughs> he's looking at him now, he's amazing. Podgy little belly. Oh, it's so cute. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's why I was like, at first, I, I just saw, I was looking up cat. Actually, if you look up cat drummer, there's a lot of great stuff that comes up on Google, just letting you Ooh, know, okay. uh, gotcha. obviously. But, uh, but yeah, he popped up as just cat drummer. And then I was like, yeah, he looks a little weird. Like, he's he's more round and, like, flatter on the front than I expected. And then it was like, oh, cat apple. And I was like, I totally see it. Yeah, that makes total sense. Like, I get it. So, um, okay. Jumping off of this uh, music talk as well, I had another thing I hadn't told you about, Brent, that I was going to bring up today, which is that uh, yeah. Amanda and I have been putting on um, episodes, uh, like, one at a time whenever we're making dinner or whatever, of Explained on, on Netflix. I think it's like a... I think it's from Vox. Yeah, it's like a Vox Netflix thing. They're, they're like 20 to 30 minute long little documentaries about subjects, whatever it might be. Uh, but they had one about K-pop, which I oh, I, okay. didn't, I I thought I knew about K-pop. I did not know about K-pop. Uh, and it was fascinating. So I highly recommend this show explained. But uh, yeah, they went into basically how it started like with this one guy and then like early 90s and nobody really understood it on some music show that he was try to perform on and then he is like the godfather of k-pop now and everybody reveres him but about how it's like this whole industry of you know camps and stuff and then making people like sing and dance and like getting groups together and all this stuff and it was uh extremely fascinating i did not understand yeah. it's it's i thought it was like a, a you know another side of pop i thought it was just korean pop whatever but it's like a whole different genre unto itself it's like a they understand that it's like manufactured. It feels very different than like the mm. the shitty manufactured boy bands of America or whatever. It's like yeah. they know it and they're they're proud of it. And they're like, yeah, I like I like this guy in this group because he he has a teddy bear and I have a teddy bear. And like they have like their different like um, sticks, whatever you know, yeah. all the different things mm-hmm. for each character or whatever. It's it's kind of like wrestling in a, in a way. It reminds me of like they have characters and like roles they fulfill. You know that they uh, for for different people, but uh, it was it was pretty fascinating. So I highly recommend that documentary. Yeah, it's like it's so prevalent, like everywhere now, that it has its own genre label on iTunes. Oh, okay. So it's not just yeah. like pop, and here's a Korean version of pop. It's yeah. its own 
genre. So yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty massive. Um, so are you, are you still going to get that BTS tattoo? Uh, well that's, it led into that because now I'm a huge fan, obviously they're like Mm -hmm. the new Beatles, um, taken over America by storm for sure. I think the entire world. So, uh, but yeah, I, they, they went into some interesting things that I didn't know about, about them blending genres and, um, like they're like this one song they like played little clips of one song and they're like now now here's rock and here's pop and here's a dance track in the middle of it and like it just transitions randomly throughout the entire song <laughs> yeah. there's like seven different versions of music in there and i was like that sounds yeah. rad i might have to try to listen to this a little yeah. bit so yeah hadn't before well um dave do you have any any uh asian stuff you want to mention before we get to our our main oh, topic cool. do i um I, do you know what? Actually, um, I mean, I would say like if anyone's looking for like an anime um, recommendation, then um, I, I can definitely recommend going back and maybe checking out some uh, slightly older stuff. Um, some of the stuff that kind of really kind of got me back into uh, watching anime on the regular was, um, and I've mentioned Ghost in the Shell already, uh, but mm-hmm. they did a couple of TV shows called Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex, um, and they are just philosophical minefields uh, they, they really Ooh. kind of like um they don't sugarcoat it at all if anyone uh, is uh, experienced of the original uh manga um it was very heavy on the philosophy about the state of humanity and and uh, what makes you human and all that kind of stuff it's your typical kind of mm. ghost in the machine kind of deal where um like how much how much of of the human body can be replaced before you're no longer human um, and mm. they go all the way with like the main character, like she's full body cyborg, but still human or maybe not. Uh, and that's something that was really tackled, I think, the best of all of the different versions of, of Ghost in the Shell. I think Standalone Complex is the one that people need to check out. So if they've not had a chance, if maybe the only Ghost in the Shell that they've seen was the, uh, the, the movie with Scarlett Johansson recently, which mm-hmm. I actually did not hate at all. Um, okay, and I, I was going to ask, yeah. yeah like, I know there's a lot of people out there that were really pissed when they announced Scarlett Johansson playing a character that um, should be Asian, but remembering mm-hmm. that she's a full-body cyborg, she can, be, she can look however the hell she wants. Um, it's not the ethnicity of the body that she's wearing, it's the ethnicity of the, of the spirit that's been kind of like pushed into it. Um, they did a really good job. They were faithful to certain aspects. There were certain visual cues which I never in a million years thought that I would be seeing in a live-action movie. And they they nailed that. Oh, cool. So like nice. e- even stupid things that you would only notice if you uh, were a big fan of like the way that the computers work there, like the interface of the computers, the the look of the interface, the way it's all very circular with other smaller circles kind of intersecting. Um, you know, they, they paid a lot of attention to that, and I was very happy uh, to see they did that. Um, Battle Angel Alita, which is not um, a Japanese movie, but is based on the Japanese franchise, um, which were, it came out last year. Um, it was produced, I think, by Cameron. Um, mm-hmm. He has wanted to direct a, um, a Battle Angel Alita, or Alita Battle Angel, depending on how you're calling it. Uh, movie for years and he's owned the rights for years um, and that was actually another one of those uh, things that I saw on Channel 4 that kind of got me into anime to begin with um, and I never knew what it was for years and then through complete fluke I found out one day on uh, YouTube I saw a clip and I was like hang on I know that clip 
and um, that was it. I found out what it was, and then I found out that they were making the movie, and they did a good job of that. So technically not Asian culture, because, but it is based on Asian mm-hmm. culture, so I would definitely recommend people see that yeah. if they get the chance. Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel like if I, if I was like to uh, recommend anything then there's always going to be people that aren't going to like that particular genre. So all I would say is if you're, mm-hmm. if you're a big fan of, of any kind of genre, whether it's sci-fi or just drama, biopics, things like that, then just have a look around and see what's available and, uh, and, and kind of find what works for you uh, because everyone's different. Everyone's going to have different tastes. Um, broad strokes, I would say mm-hmm. a lot of the Ghibli movies are going to be good for people. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd, so I would say like hit up the big ones and then diversify from there and uh yeah that, i think i think that's yeah that's good <laughs> don't don't feel any kind of way about recommending something that might be odd um i did once recommend an episode of the current season of ducktales uh because it had an appearance by darkwing duck in it oh hell yeah so uh <laughs> i we can get very specific on nice. this nice. <laughs> um i like this too though because you recommended some stuff like like properties that i've heard of but i haven't like i've i've gotten more into the like reading than i have like the like the manga instead of like the anime yeah. I haven't really gotten into anime so far so i need those I, I think for me being a new viewer of those it might help to start with like the ones you mentioned stuff i've heard about and then branch off from there and see what i like and what don't like yeah and uh i think that's a good way to start yeah definitely um you don't want to overwhelm yourself so like i would say maybe not standalone complex to begin with because mm-hmm. that could it could yeah, go one enough. or two ways you could absolutely love it and how deep it is and, and how lost you feel at times or it could make you think, oh, God, I can't watch this because it's just it's doing my head in. I don't understand. Yeah. You know? um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't follow a lot of what they're talking about. So I'm, I'm not saying that um, you have to be some sort of genius to, uh, to, um, to enjoy it because you don't. But it's not to everyone's taste. Um, a mm, couple of sure. weird ones that I would throw out there. And these are just ones that have kind yeah. of popped up into my head. Um, the first one is uh, an anime called Claymore, which is very kind of sci-fi fantasy. Um, it's about a group of um, people that uh, roam the lands looking to dispatch demons that have come to the earth. And all of these people cool. are like demi-demons, so they have demonic powers. The problem is that every time they tap into those powers, they get one step closer to becoming a demon themselves. Um, And they all fight with these insanely huge swords called claymores, which are based off of the Scottish claymore sword. Um, And they've got some amazing fight scenes, some wonderful uh, animations. So if you're looking for something a bit more weird, kind of more in the the berserk camp, then that's Mm -hmm. definitely one to check out. Obviously, berserk is great, and everyone should watch it. and then also um, the other one, which, of course, now I'm completely forgetting the name of. Um, it got me onto a, 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 a band called Monorail, um, who are amazing. They're big in Japan and apparently not anywhere else. Um, and I'm, So I'm just going to use that as a keyword. <laughs> um, because this thing, again, this is like a ergo proxy is what it's called. Um, it's, again, very, very... Um, taxing on the, the old grey cells but it's mm. it's visually stunning it doesn't look like anything else that I've watched um, recently at all Like no, no one seems to make anime that looks like this 
um, and it's definitely worth uh, a look. But again, it's on the slightly um, more in-depth end of the spectrum, so there's a very good chance that you could find yourself hopelessly lost. So I, I, wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> worry uh, about getting into that until you've kind of watched a few things and maybe you're like, okay, yeah, I'm into this. Now I want to maybe challenge myself, push a little bit deeper into it. But yeah, those are a couple that um, I've, I've liked for a long time. And, uh, you know, it's stuff that you, you see available online, you watch it, and then if you like it that much, you end up buying it. And, and that's kind of how I judge something is if I've already watched it and I'm still willing to buy it, even though it may just sit on the shelf mm-hmm. and never be watched again, um, then I, I'm, I'm, I obviously enjoyed it. So Yeah, right on. That's that's me good, uh, too. Yeah, so you gave stuff to like start out with and then... Stuff to branch into a little weirder if it feels good. Mm. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I just it's a feeling out process. You figure out what you like and what you don't like. And you know, yeah. with services like Crunchyroll, especially that I mentioned earlier, um, if you're trying to get into reading um, manga or uh, watching anime, then there are services available in all these places that will mm. um, will give you a free account that you can watch with a few ads. You can you can watch or read whatever um, you fancy. So. Definitely, um, you know, signing up for a free account with Crunchyroll is is one thing that I would recommend to anyone looking to get into anime a bit more because you can literally watch half of an episode of something, oh, I don't like that, and Mm -hmm. not feel bad at all about switching off and watching something else instead. Yeah. You know, our our whole world is on fire and underwater, but our entertainment choices (laughs) these days, just fucking stellar, guys. (laughs) Yeah, nothing to worry about at all. (laughs) (laughs) Like, for, for real, though, like... You, there's so many more options to explore these things. Like Brent was saying, it was he didn't really even have exposure to those things in comic book stores nearby him, you know, early on and stuff. It took a, a while to branch over. And now it's just like things are just available, like Comixology, mm. Crunchyroll, like all these things. They're just, they're just here. They're just available out there for you to watch pretty easy and cheap. The so. problem can be that there's almost too much choice at this point. Um, oh, yeah. You know, and, and I've, I've felt <laughs> yeah. myself. I've, I've done it. Everyone's done it. You're like, oh, I've got like half an hour, 45 minutes to kill. I'm going to watch something on Netflix. And then you spend 25 minutes looking for something to watch on Netflix. Sure. By, by which time you may as well just pack it up and do what you were going to do next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just turn off your TV and be like, I'm, I'm just done. I'm overwhelmed. I can't, yeah. I can't even do this yeah. at all anymore. Yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> I've had a lot of free time recently and I just... I should have watched a lot more stuff and, and just got through a lot of piles of shame and I really haven't because you just you fool yourself into thinking you've got more time than you actually do. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll, uh, you'll be meaning to get to something that's been on your your stack for a while to either like read or watch or whatever and then you're like eh, let me just uh let me just find a quick like five minute video on youtube <laughs> oh, and then like six hours the, later you're just yeah. like oh i guess it's time to, uh, to go to bed of that <laughs> believe me i've i've watched so many of those bon appetit videos where you know like there's a whole series of them oh, where yeah. it's gourmet um you know pastry chef tries to create gourmet snickers or something and it's mm. like uh, no offense, but like they never look as good as the original. Uh, but you know, you just you fall down a rabbit hole. It's like, um, why, why oh, yeah. am I watching a five minute video of cats that are going to make me laugh? I've got a cat, it doesn't make me laugh very often, but it does manage it sometimes. Maybe I should spend that five minutes with her instead. Like, it's just it's a massive time sink, YouTube. It's it's the best invention in the world, it's also the worst invention in mm-hmm. the world. Yeah, yeah, well, like you were saying, Stephen, like escapism has become um important to us at this day and age so i mean there's there's always going to be something out there like no matter what you're into youtube has a video for it uh possibly a series and uh 
I mean, you, you can find something out there for uh, whatever your taste yep, yeah. may be. Um, you can find people Donald ducking it. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Donald yeah. ducking yeah. it. Chilling on your DS. Cat apple hybrids. You know? It's all, it's all out yeah. there. Um, okay, well, hey, we're at a, just a short hour and a half oh, yeah. on here, so it's a short episode so far. So <laughs> what do you say we uh, get into some Frankenstein talk? All right, so uh, as we mentioned at the end of last episode, we are going to discuss Junji Ito's Frankenstein. And um, so, Dave, when I initially contacted you on, uh, mm. on Twitter... Um, and ask you to to come on, let you know we we're going to uh, potentially talk about this. Um, you were quick to order this 400 page <laughs> book, and um, we we totally appreciate you doing oh, that. Yeah. Um, and then about midweek this week or this past week, I said, "Hey, that's a lot of reading. So what if we just <laughs> do the main Frankenstein story?" Um, I thought the entire book was mm. was Frankenstein, but once I finally uh, cracked open the uh, the cover here, I saw that up through page I guess 186. Um, that's the, the main Frankenstein story. Um, this book actually has a bunch of like short stories in it um, mm-hmm. that I am uh, I'm I will eventually read, but I just did not have the time mm-hmm. this week. Um, but you had mentioned that this is your first experience with uh, Junji Ito's work. That's is right. That right. Yeah, um, it, it's a name that I'm well aware of. It, it gets mentioned uh, mm-hmm. around the place quite a lot in terms of you know masters of horror and. Uh, and illustrators worth taking note of and, and he's just mm-hmm. you know he's a legend in the industry um so regardless mm-hmm. of, of whether you've you've read him or not if you're interested in um in, in manga uh, or anime because uh, you know he's, he's had uh, some of his stuff made into shows as well you're going to have heard mm-hmm. the name even mm-hmm. you know he's kind of like he's like the stephen king of of horror manga like everyone's heard the name even if they've not necessarily picked up one of his books so it was definitely I was excited because it gave me an opportunity and you know podcasts have become something like this for me where it's an opportunity to watch something that I want to watch or read something I want to read um, sure. so you know and, and having that time scale having to be like okay we're going to do a recording on this day so you need to read it before then it's a great motivator we were talking about the abundance of choice um, having mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. A, a set time frame to do something, there is nothing better to focus the mind. Um, so yeah, I ordered it straight away, like you said, and um, it came. And I, I read Frankenstein in one sitting, and man, man, wow. it's yeah. it's a it's a story. It's a great story. We knew it would be mm-hmm. because it's it's based <laughs> on Mary Shelley, but um, his illustrations are just so good. They're they're really yes. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a whole different thing than I'm used to. So, Dave, even though you're the co-host on a horror podcast, you're not you don't consider yourself a a fan of horror per se. Yeah, that's how it started. Yeah, and uh, now I am definitely. Oh, okay. Um, cool. Now I'm. Yeah, like I, I would say, I started off and I was like, yeah, I watch horror every now and then, but I'm not really a fan of it. And I've been transformed into, I've watched quite a lot of horror, and I am a fan of it. Uh, but my knowledge of, of horror is still not anywhere near the level of my two co-hosts, Andy and David. So, um, you know, right. a, a lot of the time I will put my foot in it and say something not really understanding what's going on or, you know, but it's good to have uh, experienced heads around me that can kind of like push me in the right direction and tell me, oh, you should probably try this because if you like that, then this works for you as well. Um, and, you know... Frankenstein as a story is something that even if you're not a horror fan, I think most people have got a rudimentary knowledge of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. You know, the big lumbering monster, the doctor, um, the bride of Frankenstein, 
um, the fact that the villagers are all scared of him, flaming torches, etc., etc. Um, he loves strawberries. He loves strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> they made a cereal about him. Yeah. Based on his, yeah. His good old work. Frankenberry and Count mm-hmm. Chocula. Like, they'll mm-hmm. never let you down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, despite having grown up in the, in the country of, of Mary Shelley and uh, having mm. seen the, uh, the, the live action movie from like 1995, I want to say. Um, with um, God knows what his name is now uh, the guy that directed the first four movie he was married to Emma Thompson as well just call back to oh, her uh, uh, Kenneth Branagh <sighs> Kenneth Branagh yes yeah. it was in the mm. back of my head but it wouldn't rattle loose thank you mm. um, like you know Kenneth Branagh did the Frankenstein movie in the 90s which I watched and didn't really take in apparently um, mm. so I, I know the broad strokes but reading this uh, I felt like it felt it felt like at least a pretty uh, faithful telling of the story, uh, but here's the kind of like the proviso: I I don't know what the original story is from cover to cover, so they could have taken some liberties. I'm I know, yeah, I don't yeah, <laughs> like I, I'm well aware that the original story does start and finish on a boat in the middle of the Antarctic um, or the Arctic, mm-hmm. um, and that Frankenstein like dies at the end of the book, so. I, I'm aware of uh, of that, um, but the rest of it is uh, kind of like a bit of a complete mystery. But it felt okay. like a legit telling. It didn't feel like uh, one of these mm-hmm. stories that takes a character and then rewrites everything. So um, from that point of view, that's a fantastic success. And as I said, the illustrations are wonderful, um, not just in the moments of, of calm and serenity, but also when you get into like the, the true horror. That first time that you see the monster... Um, in full profile is just oh, yeah. it's like a, a full page it's amazing it's so well done and his use of shade the fact that it's black and white he's still mm-hmm. able to evoke so much from that page um, even with with no coloring on it just through simple pencil shading um, or yeah, pens um, I'm aware yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in the company of people that know much better. Um, but I, 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 Just Brent. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I put most people's knowledge above mine anyway, but definitely Brent. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's an absolutely wonderful piece of storytelling, this. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, and like you were talking about um, with, uh, with Junji Ito's art, he just is... He, he can do so much with just like with pen, you know, um, mm. there's no colors to, to help set the mood or, you know, evoke emotion or anything like that. It's all just pure storytelling. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he does an incredible job. Um, and that was going to be one of my questions is if any of us had ever read the original, uh, Frankenstein, the, the Mary Shelley, um, novel. Mm. Um, and Dave, it sounds like you haven't, Stephen, you haven't either, Mm-mm. right? Nope. Okay. Uh, obviously, I haven't because I only read books with pictures. <laughs> yeah. So this is the closest I will ever come. Uh, there are pictures out there uh, that tell stories, so I'll just stick with that. See, to me, reading this book made me want to read the, the original book. Oh, my God. Because I realized, like, I don't know what they're making up new for this story or not. Mm. Like, this could be just a graphic retelling mm. of her exact novel. I have no clue. Uh, or it could be a whole new story. But, uh it really uh, transformed the way I view this well-known story. Mm-hmm. You know, like there were a lot more nuances to it than I ever knew about. So I'm, I'm curious about the, uh, the nuances in the book as well. Yeah. And it was, it, it was laid out totally different than what my 
idea of Frankenstein was. Like, really, before reading this, my only thoughts on Frankenstein was like, oh, there's a guy in a castle uh, who has a a pet slash henchman named Igor, who yeah. <laughs> who uh, he gets a bunch of like uh, various body parts from from people and stitches them together and then he has a platform he raises up to the sky on a stormy night lightning bolt hits it and this this monster with bolts in its neck um turned into a a living Mm -hmm. being called frankenstein and that was totally different than than what we got here um and uh you know if you ever read the uh the original novel just let me know um i will not do any yeah. research into it. like reading yeah. a wikipedia article is <laughs> well, difficult uh, enough for according, me according to reddit and and th- there is kind of like the the insurance against me being completely wrong here but according to reddit <laughs> yeah. um somebody asked the question is the frankenstein book an accurate ad- adaptation um just wondering if ito's version is similar to the original novel mm-hmm. and a response from uh, somebody because i never know how to I think his name is Prince Femto, says, yes, everything that happens in Ito's version is in the novel, if I remember correctly. And then somebody um, explains further, saying there's a small difference from the novel uh, where Frankenstein refuses to give life to the female monster, uh, and that's why Mm. the monster flees. Uh, So the manga changed it a little bit. Um, for obvious reasons. Oh, I like how they did yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think way creepier. For, from the sounds <laughs> of it, the whole Justine thing, completely accurate. The only difference mm. is that in Ito's version, she actually comes to life, whereas in the original novel, he gets cold feet at the last minute and then um, that's it, basically. But, uh, okay, well, knowing that, like, I, I feel justified in saying that this felt like a, a very good adaptation like it felt mm-hmm. legit um yeah. which is yeah. which is a strange thing to not, to say not knowing the original um you know yeah. the, the original <laughs> but um there was just something about it that felt that felt right um and, and maybe that's just kind of pop culture um finding its way in wheedling its way into my head and saying yes this bit's right and you know about this bit I definitely remember because yeah, right. I did attempt to read the book a long time ago in, in school so that's like 20 plus years ago and I got as far as maybe the f- end of the first chapter. So I was aware of it starting on the ship um, mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. So, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's really, really well done uh, and apparently very accurate. So uh, hats off to him for well, that. Well, that's good to yeah. know, yeah. Maybe I don't have to read the book now, Brent. <laughs> there you go. You've now read it. See, we're all good. None of us have to read an actual novel. I started to feel bad. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, reading this comic has has put the feelings in Stephen that he wants to... Read a book? <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> Heavens. Hey, talk about horror. I know, I oh know. But uh, if I don't, I mean, like, I've never had enough of my own will to read that book. Mm-hmm. And if I, I only really wanted to read it because I wanted to see what the differences were. Mm-hmm. So that really kind of takes a lot of that out. Of it. I mean, I, this was so good to me and visually so stunning i thought um when i was kind of saying that like it's a different take on the like the story than i had known before it's like this book felt um i felt sad for frankenstein or Mm -hmm. for the monster i guess i felt i felt sad for like he was it it was a whole different thing than i guess i knew from that i'm mostly into the like he's a gentle giant monster and and whatever but this he's he's a lot more grotesque like i've always found the 
you know, in my head, the Monster Squad version of Frankenstein, the the typical um, like Universal Frankenstein, like green skin and like the flat top head and stuff like that, the bolts in the neck. You know, this one he's so much more grotesque, and it, you really get the feeling through the drawing of the like the nastiness of choosing body parts to sew together yeah. to create this creature and like how big he is. Oh yeah. Like it makes a lot more sense that he was like just trying to fit all the stuff in. Like it's all just so gross. But it's uh, it really changes the way I'm I'm looking at the the characters involved I guess than anything I've ever experienced with it before and it was so much more um, haunting that way I guess you know yeah I, and while we're talking about Frankenstein's appearance um, he he doesn't have neck bolts so that's that's totally different than than what I was expecting yeah. um, his hair is kind of uh, tussled he doesn't have the flat head uh, like you mentioned um, and then yeah mm-hmm. in in the 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 comic I don't I would imagine it's probably the same way in the in the novel uh, given what uh, the redditor said but um, it said mm. something in there about uh, he's going to build him to be eight feet tall he looks like he's at least sixteen feet tall in this, <laughs> in this comic um, yeah and I don't know how how that translates to uh, uh, meters. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how many stone he weighs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so so six six feet is approximately 180 centimeters. Oh, so my God. Um, if we if we divide the 180 by, oh God, it's <laughs> math now. That sounds way tough on a Sunday morning. I, I <laughs> am now horrified that I am making you do math. Let me. Eighteen divided by six is two, so you get. Um, you get 20 centimeters for every foot, so that means that he's eight times 20, um, 200 minus 40. He's, no, wait. Oh, I don't fucking know. He's big. <laughs> Thank you. He's big. <laughs> yeah, he's a fucking he's, tall guy. He's huge. Like I would imagine, <laughs> fucking swole, man. I would imagine Victor Frankenstein is like, let's say he's the average of like six, six feet tall or yeah, whatever, yeah. and then. Like when Franken, like the monster is standing next to Frankenstein, he he oh, yeah. dwarfs him. I'm on the page right now. One of my favorite pages uh, of this book. Whenever um, it's just like thwomp, and Frankenstein's monster is eating a bear next to him, and he tosses <laughs> over the like the bear claw arm yeah. to him. Yeah. So like he's obviously a big dude if he can fucking kill a bear and eat it. Wait, did um, did Mary Shelley help nasty. invent the donut, the bear claw? Is that what? Is that where this came <laughs> from? Oh. I think that's he. But he's like, let me dip some of the some of the of the icing on here. It makes it a little sweeter. Mm-hmm. It makes that bear claw go down. Um, yeah, it could be a new thing that you're stumbling on here, Brad. What if there was like a Google Doodle that had like a picture of Mary Shelley, and then you hover over it, and it's like the inventor of uh, Frankenstein, <laughs> also the Bear Claw. The Bear yeah, Claw. Of I would like it if that was the other way around: the inventor of the Bear Claw and also <laughs> Frankenstein. <Yeah. laughs> Let's get yeah. the important thing in first. Uh, that's how it would be here in America. That's that's <laughs> certainly what we do. Oh, she made a yeah. donut. Oh, we like oh, yeah. that. Oh. oh, what's book? We like that lady. Oh, book makes me mad. <laughs> I like that's your impression of Americans, whatever that is your exact... That's my exact feeling. Like, lifestyle. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> You're like, books? Fuck yeah. that. Math. Gross. Don't want to do it. Um, yeah. I do have an important question for each of you. Maybe you can help me out on this. Uh, I noticed this when I was reading it. Is sledge the same thing as sled? Is that... Yes. It yeah. is? Okay. 
Is, is that yeah. like the the English word for it? And Americans just got lazy, and we just, just got shortened it halfway by. through that syllable, and we were just like, "Fuck yeah. it!" It's, like, it's, like, it's not even an extra syllable. Though. That's the weird thing. I know. Yeah, it's tough. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's literally just a different consonant at the end. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think maybe it's just. I'm, I'm sure there's probably someone screaming at me right now, listening to this, saying. No, you idiot! It's the difference between a self-propelled and a and a dog pulled. <laughs> you know, because may, maybe that's a difference. I don't know, mm, but okay. I, I I take it as the same thing. It's a big wooden thing that slides on snow. What do you <laughs> call it? Um, I I think I interchange them honestly. Okay. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, in my head, I haven't got a preference to it. Either one makes sense. So, I guess if I was going to go downhill sledging then it would be a sledge and then mm. if we were going to be pulled by dogs i would probably call it a sled but honestly i i think that they're perfectly fine to use in either sense you know what they're saying that's so interesting yeah because whenever i read it it was one of those things like um i i definitely always just say sled i don't i i don't think i've ever heard of sledge as a term for mm. that that i recall but then when i read it it was one of those things i was like i just moved on i was like huh, that's weird, but that's probably right. Anyway, I just kept going, and I, I think eventually, it took me like the third time with him saying that, I was like, sledge, mm. sledge. I don't call it that. No, I really don't call it yeah. that. So, yeah. I think the only version of sledge that we use here in the States is like a sledgehammer, yeah. which is when you yeah. hammer something in a plank of wood when you're going downhill on your bum. <laughs> you're making your skis as you go down exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> multitasking i appreciate that Absolutely. yeah i can respect that um and one other thing i thought was interesting was that they used animal organs or, or frankenstein used animal organs in place of the ones that he couldn't obtain mm. so mm. i was trying to figure out like what animals he could have like trapped and killed and, and used the organs of like dino dna like what if <laughs> Okay, so here's the <laughs> First of all, respect for that, Stephen. Uh, secondly, like, I was like, like, what kind of organs would he use? And then my brain started wandering, and I was just like, wait, what if, because we don't see it, what if mm. Frankenstein gave the monster a squirrel dick? Now, hear me out. Yep. <laughs> like, it, he, he knows what he's building. He probably knows that the, the monster won't... You know, not going to be fucking anyone or whatever. But again, you know, you could turn anything into a sex toy if you try hard enough. Um, <laughs> what if he's like, well, he needs something to be able to pee out of, but it's, he's not going to use it for, you know, smash and gash mm -hmm. or whatever, you know. So he he just gets a squirrel, just trims off his trims off his little uh, <laughs> weenus, plugs it on there. And, you know, maybe that's. Maybe that's what Frankenstein is packing under those bandages. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that's the impetus for the entire story of why he's mad? I think it lends itself to it. No. Well, okay. So I don't really see Frankenstein as as mad per se. <laughs> like he, he seems mm. like surprisingly he's he's pretty cultured, you know, um, uh, and yeah. he, he's like, look, I'm not going to sexually assault anyone. Just build me a woman. Um, what you know, mm -hmm. that's somewhat problematic. It's like, build me a woman who yeah. I will marry. Um, but she has no choice, yeah, she has no choice yeah. in it. But, uh, you know, at least he's not like going after like a human or you know, trying to, mm -hmm. to sexually assault somebody. Um, with his but with his squirrel, with penis. his little squirrel dinky. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> hmm. 
got some squirrel nuts down there too. So you you just you've thought a lot about this clearly though. Yeah, it, it, that's why it took me an extra day to finish reading the the manga. I was just oh, so okay. wrapped up and like, well, no pun intended, wrapped up. Uh, but I, I was really trying to figure this out. Um, I've done several uh, sketches of it. Um, I'll, I'll put that uh, sketchbook on eBay. I, I inserted them into the book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it took a long time to <laughs> to explain to the guy at uh, at uh, the FedEx Kinko's like what I was uh-huh. doing, why I was having him, you know, photocopy all of the pages, and I, I asked to use a lot of whiteout uh, to to quote unquote fix the pages. But you know, it ended up being a whole thing, sure. and uh, I think people are really going to be happy with my edit of Junji Ito's <laughs> version of Mary Shelley's classic Frankenstein. So I, I know you're a better artist than this, but in my head, I just imagine you just inserting in like a tiny little penis, like a stick figure penis, you know, just two circle balls, oh, okay, yeah. uh, everywhere, everywhere you can basically, uh-huh. uh, throughout this book, uh, on him, well, which is, uh, you know, you're helping out the there, book. There were parts of the, the, my version or my edit of the, the comic where, um, I had to go in there and draw my own pages where um, the uh, Frankenstein's friend, what's his name? The, the guy with the dark hair? Like, oh, um, like Henry or whatever? Henry, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a whole subplot in there where, uh, much like Superbad, Henry was obsessed with drawing dicks and he was drawing them all uh-huh. over everything. Um, and there's like about halfway through the book, um, Frankenstein, in my version, has dicks drawn all over his face. <laughs> Uh, oh. So it's it's in there a lot. There are a few different versions of it. So you're not incorrect, uh-huh. Stephen. Um, but for the yeah, totally. yeah okay, for the cool. squirrel dick, I did put a lot of uh, research into it. And um, if you think you know what a squirrel dick looks like, I mean, you're you're totally wrong. I was really impressed. Um, <laughs> much like the aforementioned Donald Duck. Um, you, you know, ducks have corkscrew dicks. Uh-huh. Yep, they have cloacas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think if you Google squirrel dick. Uh, you're gonna find some interesting stuff. I'm not gonna Google squirrel dick anytime soon. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna lie. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of makes sense that they've got tiny little weenuses and and then mm-hmm. massive uh, balls because they've always been obsessed with burying their nuts. Mm. But exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah I, I, I wonder how easy it is to DDT a squirrel penis into somebody <laughs> somebody's ass. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on the one hand, it's got to be pretty easy because there's nothing to do. But on the other yeah. hand, it's like, well, are you ever going to actually manage to regain entry? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I. Um, I yeah. Squirrels have got to be the only thing you can trap, though, right? Like small mammals, maybe a pig or two. Um, maybe like a fox or something like that. I and, and they're in like yeah. where they're in Switzerland, I think. I don't. I don't know exactly what wildlife they have over there um i mean cuckoos and things like that and they anything they can put in a clock um right <laughs> yeah exactly yeah like giant chocolate pyramids and <laughs> he caught some small wooden people harvested <laughs> their organs put it in a, a frankenstein <laughs> he stole pinocchio's nose and installed it on frank in, on his monster as his penis so <laughs> now frank now the monster just lies all the time when he's getting horny <laughs> So you want me to build this uh, lady monster for you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I am currently looking at squirrel penises on Google, guys. Oh, um, wow. Uh, I, it's pretty much how you'd imagine. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, some of them do have big balls, yep. but I can't tell if they're Photoshopped. I'm just looking at the thumbnails right now. 
And um, there's actually a screenshot from the Great British Bake Off, I believe is what it's called over there, but uh, it's taken America by storm on Netflix, the Great British Baking mm. Show. Uh, there's there's a, just a shot of a squirrel straight dick in it right right a full frontal <laughs> uh, right right in the front of that so ep- uh, season one <laughs> episode five it looks like maybe I can't tell um, wow. but yeah so if you want to look at that 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 is an option you can watch the baking show and some squirrel I mean that, that's an excuse that I could get away with seeing that so yeah maybe <laughs> I will rewatch the Great British Bake Off there you go so Stephen I I was not serious about um, looking at squirrel dicks Uh, I know you I'm an incredible actor so you probably thought I was serious but I did not actually look at look at that but unlike when i thought you had read a book and was horrified i'm now just uh-huh. delighted uh that, okay, that you cool. had looked up squirrel dicks well <laughs> i want you to know it's from what i saw it's it's kind of like a dog it's like a it's oh, like a lipstick, a lipstick situation yeah. Oh, yeah okay so um you can i think we can all picture that right now yeah just close your eyes and picture it everybody everybody together collectively as the on the podcast damn my overactive imagination enjoy your breakfast <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> Do you know, I, I've never been able to enjoy those. Um, I, I don't know if you had them over in, in the US or not, but um, these little sweets that you used to be able to get, it was like um, like a, a little plastic tube and you'd pull this thing out and it would be like a little candy lipstick looking thing. And ever ever <laughs> since somebody first described a dog's doodah as a lipstick, I've not been able to look one of those square in the eye. That's pretty amazing. I can imagine. I, yeah, I don't think we had those over here, but we did have uh, candy cigarettes. Did you guys have those? Yeah, we mm-hmm. had them for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Bought them primarily for the football stickers. I know in the US it was oh, like yeah. baseball oh, cards okay. or something like that, but they yeah, always well, included yeah. something in them. But yeah, yeah, like it was cool at a time to to buy them and, and pretend that you're smoking when you're five years old, you know, like all the big mm-hmm. boys. Yeah, right. Um, and then <laughs> strangely, they disappeared around about the same sort of time that smoking turned out to be really bad for you. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're hard to find here now, but you can find them every once in a while. That that weird candy shop Brent takes me to mm-hmm. in, uh, in Tulsa has them. Um, but I, if I remember right, too, they're also extremely gross, like cigarettes. They're uh, they're very chalky. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. Thinking back uh, on it, I don't know why I enjoyed them. Yeah. Like maybe it was just that they were really inexpensive, and and I could get a lot of them. That, but probably. like now, I'd much rather have a Mars bar or a Wham or mm. Curly Whirly or something like that. You know, one of the. All right, you just said three things that I've never had, and I want them right now. <laughs> oh, man. I've heard of the Mars bar. I've just never had yeah, one. Yeah, Mars or bars I, are Maybe good. it's called something oh, different. Mars bars are good. They're basically yeah. just like a caramel-flavored nugget with uh, proper caramel mm-hmm. and then coated in chocolate. They're, they're really good. There must be an American equivalent, but I couldn't tell you what it is. I feel like, yeah, there's something that, that Mars bar might be called something different. What, what were the other ones you said? Uh, Wham. Uh, which is like a it's Wham. like a, a fruity candy bar, like a chewy candy bar, like um, like okay. opal fruits, but or um, starburst as they're called now, but like really really mm. tough. It's almost like um, salt taffy, um, but but really that sweet. Good, yeah, yeah, no, they they were lovely. And uh, the other one is a curly whirly, which is literally curly just um, set caramel in like a laddered pattern covered in chocolate. Um, I think uh, it's it's, oh. it's a Cadbury's thing. So uh, yeah, Brent, look at that. Oh wow, that's yeah. the one. That's the one. Um, yeah, that's crazy. A Mars Curly bar. Whirly is like the most English name possible. Oh yeah, no definitely. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's definitely. What absolutely. Me. <laughs> um, I would say the Mars bar is basically a Snickers without the peanuts in it. 
Like okay. actually, they're very similar to each other. Okay. So yeah, yeah, that that's a pro- probably a good approximation for you. But from what I understand, mm-hmm. like the American version of chocolate is is not good. So I I'm told. I bet I, <laughs> I bet your version <laughs> yeah. is probably quite a bit better. Mm-hmm. We just don't know any different. It's yeah. like it probably tastes like arsenic or whatever to. Uh, to people from uh, from Europe that come over here, yeah. like Switzerland people, oh, yeah, the Swiss I definitely one. like hate our chocolate, which is totally understandable. I'm pretty sure the Swiss hate everyone's chocolate except for their own. The Belgians are probably the same. Um, I don't know. I've had Reese's, uh, the Reese's pieces, mm-hmm. and I, I did not like that. Um, oh, not okay. a not a fan of Reese's pieces. I like chocolate and, and uh, peanut butter together, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Reese's didn't really work for me. Um, I think the difference is that the American version of chocolate uses a lot more sugar and a lot less, like, mm. cocoa and, and milk solids. Um, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, like, Cadbury's is famous for using a glass and a half in every bar. So a glass and a half of milk, not anything mm. else. Uh, a glass and a half of rum would be lovely. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, uh, <laughs> a glass and a half of milk in every bar is their slogan, and yeah. um, that's what they claim. So maybe that's why it tastes different. I don't know, but uh, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it is what it is. Uh, for, for what it's worth... American uh, soft drinks taste so much nicer with cornstarch in them, or corn syrup, sorry, um, than yeah. the British alternatives do. I had a Dr. Pepper when I came to the US last, and it was amazing. We went to Jersey Mike's. <laughs> they're yeah, so oh, good. they're great. Went to Jersey Mike's to get something to eat, and I had a Dr. Pepper, and I was like, oh, uh. this is godly. I love this. <laughs> that's why we. That's why we're so fat. We all love it so much. <laughs> well, you got a lot of corn to get through. You got to pump it into everything, right? Yeah, we do. <laughs> it's everywhere, yeah. man. It's almost like people yeah. are growing it on purpose. Yeah, it's like, they, and then they're like, "Man, we need new ways. Let's make this into a sugar. <laughs> Fuck it, put it in everything." Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So a couple of years ago, my wife has some uh, some family that lives here in town, and I guess their neighbors were from England. And mm. when they first moved into their, their place here in Oklahoma, they went to the to the grocery store, came back, and they, they bought some, like, soda or, or whatever. It might have been, like, Coke or Pepsi or whatever. Mm. They then, like, were telling the stories, like, yeah, how come how come your, your drinks over here are so, like, watered-down tasting or it's not what I expected or, you know, mm. kind of what I picked up from, uh, from pop culture? And they were like, well— what are you talking about? And they said, yeah, so we, we bought the syrup and brought it home and, and mixed it with water and uh, drank it. And it, it was like diluted. And they're like, what? Oh, don't tell me they just bought a normal bottle of Coke. <laughs> yeah. So is that something that happens over in the UK where you buy the syrup and then mix it at not home for, or something? Not for fizzy drinks, no. Like we, we do, oh. obviously you've got like orange, we call it squash, but it's like cordial. Um, that, that would be the only drink that mm. I can think of that you would add water to it. Like most soft <laughs> okay. drinks, you just buy it and drink it. Um, I tell you yeah. what, speaking of orange, Jesus Christ, the color of your Fanta is not natural, my friends. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, we my God. I've never seen an orange like it. It's, no, yeah. it's just like, it, it's like what you'd expect to get out of a, a fucking marker set. It's that bright. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. And, yeah. You know, and over here, we're used to it being a lot more kind of yellowish, like more like the color of actual fucking oranges. Like uh-huh. the thing is, I, I think maybe the marketing uh, people kind of took the color of the outside of the orange and thought that's what everything needs to be colored like if it's orange juice. And it's like, no, have you ever juiced an actual orange in your life? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so bright. No, they have not. Oh my no. goodness, it's so bright. Well, I think there's like this uh, this idea in food marketing where like, especially in fast food, um, like McDonald's and in uh, Burger King, mm. um, if you want your 
signage to reflect like somebody's appetite or, or make people hungry. That's why they yeah. use red and yellow. Yeah. So I think for like Fanta or like Crush or whatever, they're like, give put in all of the red, put in all yeah. of the yellow. We're gonna make <laughs> yeah. this motherfucker bright as shit, and then people will want to drink it. It will so stand that's, out. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I yeah. could be. Mm-hmm. They're like, uh, sir, uh, we turn off the lights and it's it's glowing. Uh, <laughs> yes. Market that. Yeah, put that in there. Keep that it's around. It's like an episode of Only Fools and Horses. They, they, they had something called Peckham Springs, which they basically faked a, a wellspring and started bottling the water, which turned oh, out to yeah. be just out of tap water, except they dumped some to, to clear the land of, of this site that they'd been given or they, they rented. They had a bunch of these um, t- tins of some kind of radioactive material and he paid his mates to take it away and they just dumped it in the reservoir. So all of this stuff oh, leaked shit. into the water. <laughs> and the last thing in the episode, they turn the lights off and there's a bottle of Peckham Spring next to them and it starts glowing this effervescent yellow colour. That, that, whenever someone says about drinks glowing in the dark, I immediately just go back yeah. to that episode. It's so good. That's basically what we're looking for with our marketing campaign. Yeah, for this, it makes, makes for sense, now. Yeah. yeah. Like in case your batteries mm-hmm. run out or you're in the middle of a power cut, just get, yeah. just get a bottle of Fanta out of the fridge and you can use it as a rudimentary lamp. Yeah. <laughs> Only American fans. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, it's like like back in the day, they would trap like lightning bugs in a jar or whatever, and you could use that yeah. as a uh, as some sort of light source. Mm. It's not gonna you know light up real big. But, now you uh, just juice them up yeah. and put them in your soft drinks. Yeah, no? yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know how you get a lightning bug, you crack it open, you put it. Yeah, in your it makes drink. everything taste yeah. better. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a great thing. Uh, I did look up. Uh, the Mars bar situation. I'm gonna have to research a whole lot more about this because I'm very confused. Right. There's a thing that uh, it, it it's supposed to actually resemble the American chocolate bar, the Milky Way. Okay, but no. then they changed it, <laughs> and there was an American version of the Mars bar right. that had uh, toasted almonds in it. And then they discontinued that brand, and they came out with Snickers almond. So you were right, Dave, when you mentioned mm. Snickers. But it's like, I don't even know if I got one. Like, I've seen them at a, we have a place called World Market uh, that has, like, food from around the world. You can get all the different, like, Kit Kat flavors from Japan that are all crazy mm. and stuff. And I've seen a Mars bar there, but now I don't trust that it's even going to be the right Mars bar because they've had, like, American versions of I it. Think so I, I have to go on a candy the, quest, the basically. The best way to know whether or not it's been made in the, uh, in, in the UK is to just check the labeling because it will say um, produced in and it will have the name of the factory on the back. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't enough. know how it is necessarily with uh, US standards and practices because I know a lot of the stuff that we have imported over here, we have stickers placed over the back of the packages mm. to, oh, to yeah. cover us for what we need legally. Um, but um, as far as I'm aware, most food products have to have in the UK to be sold in the UK. They have to have like a, a place where they were manufactured, actually printed on them. I'm so, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just check the back. You should have something like that. that. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. But yeah. Once you go for a Mars bar, you'll never go back. <laughs> oh, okay. Hell yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So um, let's go back to uh, to the, the comic real quick. I just oh, realized yeah. that we were had, had <laughs> been discussing. We went on a great tangent. I love it. Um, tangents are what we're known for here. Um, yeah. let's, let's talk about uh, Frankenstein and specifically the character of Justine, um, the most wrongly treated character in at least early fiction. Oh, she was done dirty. Yeah. Um, I can't put to words how terrible i felt for for her um she's like the uh the nanny of of the uh the frankenstein family um and she 
geez, I'm trying to, to go back and, and piece together exactly what happened, mm-hmm. but um, she's accused of like what like killing murdering the, killing the, uh, the, the little the, kid the little like his kid, little yeah. brother yeah because yeah. she has the yeah. little kid on her person and therefore she yeah. must have done the deed because that's how criminal justice yeah. worked back then <laughs> <laughs> I didn't follow that but yeah I'm like maybe this is how yeah this is maybe how it yeah. worked and they're like you're gonna die tomorrow yeah, right? yeah. I mean, <laughs> like we're, we are it's, it's essentially <laughs> a case of we need to blame someone for this because there's nothing worse for law and order than having an unsolved case um, and, and so yeah. back in back in the days before due process in the US and, and whatever the hell they call it over here, um, you could get away with a lot more. And, um, you know, that goes for Europe as well. So I'm, I'm imagining in Switzerland around about that sort of time, um, justice was swift and very unfair normally uh, in, in the, this mm-hmm. case, especially. I was very impressed with how well she took it. Like on the day of her execution, yeah. she was just like, <laughs> yeah. "I'm going to go to heaven to be with your uh, with, with your brother and, and your mother, um, you know, see you bye kind of thing." Um, <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she was pretty she cool, was with, pretty it. cool with it. Yeah, um, and, and I, yeah. I think that that is definitely something that they use to gain even more sympathy for her because mm-hmm. y- you would you would always have um, that part of you that's just like, "Oh, she's." She's wailing and moaning and crying and begging for her life. And maybe mm. she actually did it. Who knows? But, you know, the, I, the, obviously not. I mean, the thing is, even when the monster confirms the story, when he says, oh, well, I just found this random... Because it's very, like, happenstancy. this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I killed a random yeah. little boy, and then I found a random woman to pin it on. And it just so happens that the little boy was yeah. your brother <laughs> and the woman that I pinned it on was your maid who had um, all of the, the the ability to do it in the world, if not the motive. Um, like that, that's very kind of like, if this was a movie, if, if, they, if, if Mary Shelley was around today and she wrote this as a movie script and sent it off to Hollywood and it got made, you would have nerds on the internet up and down the land, and I know I'm saying this now, <laughs> just basically saying, well, there's a massive plot hole where he basically offs her enti- his entire family by happen chance. And it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're giving her a little bit of slack because this was written over 100 years ago. I'm in the camp to give her a lot of slack as well because it's early fiction. You know, it's, they're, they're still kind of finding their footsteps where it comes to this, this type of fiction. This is one of the first true kind of... Obviously, Penny Dreadfuls came out around about the same sort of time, but this is like a full-on novel along mm. with like the likes of Dracula, and I don't know the timeline. I think Dracula was written first, and then Frankenstein came shortly after, and, and it may have actually been as a challenge because there's this urban legend that they were sat around a campfire or something, and they were all making up uh, scary stories, and Mary Shelley essentially made this up on the spot pretty much and then committed it to paper afterwards. Damn. Uh, I, I hope I'm getting that correct i believe i am i've been told it enough times it's it's official <laughs> story for the for it for me now yeah that's <laughs> that's definitely I'm, I'm gonna share that it's around. definitely ltas canon i mean you can really say <laughs> yeah. what you want and it's, it's this canon is how here. it happened and, and the, yeah. if we believe it then it must be so um that's true but yeah, yeah so so it, it was early on and i i don't mind it so much i really don't um like they could have maybe told a story about how he staked out the mansion and he saw them and then he knew who he was looking for and he ended up killing him. And I, But that would have just been kind of like a, a bit too much ex- explanatory uh, stuff going on. Like there's only so much exposition that you can take in a, in a book. Um, well, well, didn't he say that he found uh, Victor's book in his like, 
Yes. It's like Shar or whatever. And so he, he read that and figured out like where to go to. Mm. He knew the vicinity to go to. Um, yeah. But he does say that I'm, I'll find the page while I'm talking about it, hopefully. Um, he does say that he just um, he saw a random boy in the forest and um, he, he strangled him. He squeezed the life out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, oh, come on, where is it? It's, you know, you know how yeah, how you yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. You're in the forest. Natural. You run across a kid. Kids are annoying. Oops, he's dead again. I, you know, happens. <laughs> I like the again well, bit. <laughs> well, look, it, you know what yeah. it is? It's, it's the men in black defense. You know, like where Will Smith at the beginning of the movie, he's like doing the tryouts and he shoots the little girl, and he's like, oh yeah, uh-huh. she, yeah, what, what's she True. doing like? molecular biology or whatever she's eight or whatever yeah so like if you come across like if you're a monster and you're traipsing through the woods and you see a little like toe-headed kid out there that little kid is probably one of the children of the corn you know there's more behind him (laughs) you gotta take him out you know yeah and is without any questions you gotta do it isn't it like in the original like movie the original frankenstein movie doesn't he like come across a little like girl like throw her in the lake or something like that am i making that up Something like that yeah he was just trying to teach her how to swim i mean either way (laughs) (laughs) he's really like a community organizer exactly oh he's just trying to be a part of he and he is in this he's trying to you know he's trying to meet people they can't (laughs) even scare them he goes talk to that blind dude he's like i like your guitar playing Uh Your family's really nice. I, like, I actually like that part a lot because he's like hanging out in the yeah. shed that's like hooked under their yeah. house, and then he's like, he like goes into the blind dude and he's like, "Hey, I have this family I'm visiting and I love them. Mm-hmm. And anyway, is it cool? Do you think that's a good thing to do?" And he's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "That family is yours." <laughs> like, <laughs> and he doesn't have time to dwell on it before the family come home and they're like, "Oh my god, a monster!" Um, yeah. yeah, here I, I found it. So he says. Um, It was a difficult journey. I simply kept walking. And then when I finally arrived in Switzerland, I happened to discover a man in his and and his family in that park. Not in his family. That's a very Mm. different book. Um, As I looked upon their happy countenances, my rage grew. I waited for the boy to be alone and then strangled him to death. Uh, and then there's a lot of artwork with no exposition whatsoever, but it basically shows him take the yeah. pendant and then walk off, and then he finds a barn and he finds Justine sleeping. Um, I slipped that pendant into the woman's pocket, thinking that if luck were on my side, I might be able to pin the crime on her. Coincidentally, the woman sleeping in that shed was your household maid. So definitely mm-hmm. coincidence um, in the second yeah. instance. The first instance... The way it's worded, it makes me think that it was just a case of as he arrived in Switzerland, he saw a family in a park and he was like, I'm going to squeeze the life out of that little boy. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I think, I think yeah. again, that is kind of more coincidence than anything. Um, but I, I let it slide because it's classic <laughs> literature. And, um, yeah. you know, it's so well told that I, I really don't mind these, these little things. I'm not going to get on the internet and be like, oh, well, actually, I think you'll find. Like, come on. <laughs> I haven't got time for that shit. I haven't watched half the stuff on my shelf. How am I going to spend time on the internet yeah, complaining right. about yeah. stuff? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's some, some leeway to be given exactly. with, with something like this where they... Is, is Frankenstein like the first slasher? Maybe. He's the first incel, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, <laughs> Holy shit, that was great. <laughs> um, he, he, might, he might be the first slasher. Yeah, you, you might have a yeah. point there, actually. Because he's a monstrous presence that can't be killed. He mm-hmm. kills people just randomly without n- real cause or need. Um, mm-hmm. He has some motivation, but most slashers do. 
So yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good call, actually. Yeah, I like from now on, if anyone mm-hmm. asks me who was the first slasher, I'm going to say Frankenstein's monster. Well, yeah. <laughs> so like, what do you what do you think? Like, uh, like Mike Myers, <laughs> or are you thinking uh, you thinking Jason for the first? I know there's some like obscure movies before that even. Oh no, I'm going to say Frankenstein's monster <laughs> yeah. for sure. For sure is the first. Like we, it's all, everybody knows that. Oh man, I, I like this. I think this is legit. I love the idea that Frankenstein is an incel. Yeah. And so I'm going to go back in on my edit of the book and just draw a MAGA hat on him, just walking around wow. with a tiki torch from Target. That does fit with the squirrel penis thing. Uh-huh. I'm, yeah. I'm so. just thinking from the point of view that like his whole motivation in the latter half of the book is about getting someone to knock uglies out with. And, um, yeah. Yeah, or knock boots or bump uglies. I've combined two sayings into a brand new I, one there. I just assumed it I was English. Yeah. It's a British saying. Yeah. This is the benefit of, of podcasting with people that aren't from my climbs. Yeah. I can say anything yeah. and say, yeah, that's a common thing over here. Um, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> There's Frankenstein. He's got a Jif Jaff with the Tim Tam. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, what? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I use the term in so I'm not yeah. even necessarily a massive fan of that say of that term but it you know it kind of it mm. fit in that instance so i thought throw it out there why not it will get a laugh sure. that's all i'm here for <laughs> i'm here for the laughs yeah <laughs> um well uh yeah. so we talked about justine but mm, yeah. um yeah her fate is even worse because oh. she was pretty cool with the uh the head getting cut off but um <laughs> it gets way worse for her yeah, it's when I, they put it know, back on that it all went south for her yeah that's what it, <laughs> well, that's like it, it shows the guillotine and then i'm like oh i wonder if there's gonna be like a last minute save or whatever and then like the next page and no. media is like like well she's dead she yep. sure got her head chopped off mm. yep i love sure that did. i love the fact that they <laughs> save the image of her head flying from her body for yeah. when um, they reveal that the monster has brought her head from Switzerland, like some kind yeah. of weird psychotic um, hobo's pouch, you know. Like I, I just have this image of him <laughs> tying her to a stick by her hair and flinging it over his shoulder. Oh, you know, like those those, yeah. those travel napkin things that hobos yeah. always have. Uh, a hobo bindle. That's the one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I like like, that. Just uh, the, the look of shock on her face. Um, yeah, I, the thing yeah. is like, I, and this kind of actually, it's, I'm really glad that I mentioned Ghost in the Shell now because there's this whole concept in Frankenstein of, um, the, the spirit and, and the, the idea at the time was of course that the brain doesn't make up your identity, that the spirit is some sort of unseen force, which can leave or re-enter your body, which is why people say, God bless you when you sneeze because back in the day they thought it was your spirit trying to escape your body. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love that fact. I, I, trot that, <laughs> I trot that out whenever I can. Um, so, you know, the fact that he makes a whole new brain for her, now we understand that that is the death of her personality completely, that a, a new brain, obviously, um, if people are spiritual, they, they might take uh, offence to this or they might just take issue mm-hmm. to it. But I think if you look at the science behind it, it's fairly obvious um, certainly from a scientific point of view, that the brain is where you you as a whole are kept. And the moment that you lose the brain, that that's you gone. Um, so mm-hmm. the fact that he makes her a whole new brain means that's not Justine anymore. Uh, obviously, the writing at the time kind of intimated that yeah. it was still Justine to an extent and that somehow her spirit had been left inside of her body. Interestingly, all of the other Frankenstein uh, mythos that I've seen, whether it be on Penny Dreadful or the Frankenstein Kenneth Branagh movie, 
Um, I should have said that the other way around because that sounds like Frankenstein made a movie about Kenneth Branagh. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, the the Kenneth Branagh Frankenstein movie. Apologies. Um, All of those, they never said anything about him making a brain, which uh, now that we understand the brain a little bit more, that is an insanely Mm. difficult thing to go anywhere near doing because it's like this super delicate thin membrane which is folded up into into the shape of a brain and and thrust into our skulls. Um, So, yeah, uh, in every other version that I've seen, they never mentioned creating a new brain, so I've always bought it a little bit more about the personality reasserting Mm. itself, the fact that um, brain death wasn't really understood either means that you can get away with re- jump-starting a brain and, and kind of you get, get away with that shit. So she's, she, she sits somewhere in the middle, um, Mary Shelley, because on the one hand, I think she understands that brain death is a thing and you can't come back from it. But on the other hand, she's obviously leaning heavily into this whole idea of spiritualism and that the, the soul mm-hmm. is, is something separate, from, you know, the, the, the id, the, um, the identity of a human is not held in the brain but elsewhere. Um, but, mm-hmm. yeah, I... I um, it's in the butt. It's in the butthole, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. P comes from the balls and the soul is in the butthole. <laughs> uh, well, hey, real quick, speaking of, uh, of brain, um, if you look on page 45, this is, cool. like, one of my favorite images in this book is... Uh, We've got Frankenstein like sawing the the like limbs apart and everything, and it kind of shows him going through the process of putting the original monster together. Yeah. And there's uh, a series of panels where he's like putting the brain together, and then he gets like pissed off, <laughs> and he smashes his hand into the brain and screams, "Damn it!" Like a plate um, of blancmange just explodes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "Well, I got to rethink this." Um, so what a sound effect too! Splash! Hell yeah! Mm. Hell yeah! It's kind of a, how you'd say that, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it's how you say. Sexy sound, yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I thought that uh, that was funny. That uh, that's meme worthy almost. Is just punching the shit yeah. out of the brain, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck this shit. Well, and you know, Stephen, since you brought it up, uh, speaking of sound effects, there is a uh, a page in this book that um, that cracks me up. It's when. Uh, Henry learns that Frankenstein is building a, 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 a second monster and everything. Um, the, the, the female uh, monster has been made and uh, the, the original monster is like peeking around the corner. And um, it has Frankenstein looking over both of their shoulders from the doorway. And there's a, a sound effect that's in here that I'm sure the letterer kind of rolled their eyes when they had to add it in there. But if uh, I'll, I'll show it to you here, it just says loom. Interestingly, there is a uh, tradition in uh, Japanese manga and anime of visually um, kind of like showing what the the action that someone is carrying out is is shown on screen in text form um so if someone's mm-hmm. sitting there really annoyed then you would get a word saying like sieve or you know um anger or something that would appear so mm. it, it's not massively unusual but obviously when we're reading it translated into english uh, it looks really fucking weird because yeah. <laughs> we're used to that being that we used to that being an external sound effect, but actually they they interchange between external sound effects and uh, commentary on on mood or uh, action. So yeah, that it's that that is such a weird thing to have up on screen. Like for me, if I was adapting that. I would probably blank that out completely and just have it just yeah. him standing in the doorway because it's obvious what you're doing. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we get yeah. it. <laughs> but uh, I, I kind of like that they left it in. Um, yeah, me too. It's it's uh, part of the the charm of reading manga. I think yeah. uh, when I was younger, my friend Ross had a an issue of a, a manga series called Ninja High School. And like oh, there was nice. a character who was like fighting somebody, and they leapt in the air, and then they they came down and, and attacked the person. And the sound effects in the one panel was jump, and the other <laughs> one was land. It's just like, well, uh, all right. <laughs> I wonder if they just they I wonder it. if they just don't have onomatopoeia in um, in Japan. <laughs> I don't know. And, yeah. and if they did, how do they pronounce it? Um, yeah, but, you know, it's like there's no R's or L's in it, so they might be okay. Uh, it, yeah, it, it, it's a weird one, but um, I, yeah, it's kind of cool. I, I love that jump, land, loom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's pretty awesome. <laughs> the uh, the guy who did the lettering, James Dashiel, Dashiel, mm. I don't know. He did the uh, the touch up art and lettering is how he's credited. So I'm sure cleaning up some of those like those Japanese sound effects and then replacing them with. Uh, um, English ones were that was probably quite a, a task. I know I've talked to uh, to uh, David David Hopkins, yep. um, who co-hosts your show about. Um, he's uh, done some like not the translation, but the uh, the English lettering for uh, I think like fairy tale and, and mm. maybe some other manga yep. before. Yep. And uh, he was showing me some like images, like screenshots or whatever of his process and everything. And it just seems like a, such a crazy thing to, to do because yeah, like my instinct would be to like, well, you don't need to, you don't need to write the word loom in there. It's, it's, it's kind of yeah. part of the, the, the illustration itself. But, uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of funny. Like in, in my head, I'm picturing like the anime version of like, it's just the door frame. And then like slowly, like he just like, Slides into, <laughs> yeah, into frame yeah, that's really good. There's um, there's Ooh. an anime called High Score Girl, where um, the the main character's mother has an unhealthy interest in his love life. So whenever he has a girl in his room with him, and it's always perfectly innocent because he's got he he's he's not experienced in the ways of women at all. So he just kind of like pays no attention to them. Um, his mum's head just appears out of the out of the in the negative space where the door is open and then he says mum stop watching so her head disappears and then it reappears sideways at the bottom of the door and then slowly moves up the door like she's in an elevator and he's like you're still there mum so she turns around and goes but yeah it's like that's great and and also there's um anime has a really interesting way of adapting that kind of um I, I don't know if, if there's a technical term for it, but, you know, like loom and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. If somebody um, is kind of like really embarrassed or something like that, they'll have like a, a, a wavy line of text escaping from their head and it will translate to something like embarrassment or something like that. Oh, um, but yeah. it's made an active part of the animated um, artwork which works really, really well. Like when watching it, you just don't think anything more of it. You're just like, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's what, you know, whatever. It's like when their eyes change different colors or like they get the, the when they're embarrassed because something sexy is happening, like they'll get a nosebleed or something like that. Um, right. it's, just, it's just one of those things. <laughs> well, that, that happens. happens to me too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, who hasn't, who hasn't had a nosebleed at an inopportune time? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I, I, I like that it's so ingrained in in Japanese culture that they've got all these different ways of doing it. And then the fact, the yeah, fact that they have actually gone the whole hog and, and just adapted it into, into here. That's, mm-hmm. that is pretty cool. Despite what I said, where I probably would have just got rid of it. Like, I like the fact that they, yeah. they kept it in. That's, that's decent. My, my final note on the, uh, on the, the comic is, um, once the, the female monster is 
is built and like brought to life and everything. Uh, by the way, it seemed like he spent like an inordinate amount of time like getting the the breasts just right. You know, yeah. like there was there was some like extra love and, and attention that went into those like the stitching and everything. Yeah, talk about bolt oh, hey, I, mean, I, I, I suspect <laughs> that there's probably a deleted scene where the monster says to him, "You better get the fucking tits right, mate." <laughs> I'm, t- I'm telling you right now because I'm not I, I'm, I'm a boob man I'm not a leg man which is ironic because yeah. he gave her about six foot long legs but I, you know, I, I guess if your life depends on it you're going to pay attention to the fine detail yeah for sure well she didn't have a head or arms <laughs> I think for most of that but yeah he definitely uh, he was like I need a head but god damn it I gotta get these breasts right, right. <laughs> I have to shape them gotta it, shape them more and it, it showed him like with that body for like quite a while like henry came by and he explained the story to him and then they went out like for several nights trying to find you know the the proper like head or organs or whatever what a good friend but, too right yeah henry. right um but the entire time the uh the female monster remained topless you know he didn't yeah. bandage that part up he just no. stopped at the at the rib cage <laughs> typical and man. Just like, oh, we're just we're just gonna leave these out you know yeah. just you know for, for inspiration Typ- or whatever typical, typical. well <laughs> to uh, not to harp on this too much, but uh, I, I did. I mean, obviously that was a, a noticeable part of that. Mm-hmm. Those pages in the book, but uh, he did spend a lot of time, and it's not. We're not even joking because they are stitched up. It is mm-hmm. like he got the best part of different boobs together <laughs> to make the perfect boobs. Like they are stitched multiple times. So uh, yeah, this is definitely a real thing that uh, he didn't want to have that monster come back to him and say, "Redo this all mm-hmm. over again." Yeah. You know. Yeah. I wonder if there was like a. A deleted scene where he um, was sculpting a boob and he was having some problems, so he just smashed it like he did the brain, you know? Yeah, except he's used too much silicon, so his hand just rebounds and smashes him in the face. As he fucking deserves. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, boy. There's a sound effect for you, yeah, right? That's the sound effect we need, yeah. Um, Amazing. But uh, but yeah, once once they, they put Justine's poor head on this, this uh, monster... Um, she has the bolts in the neck, by the way, they, which appear to be bandaged up oh. as well, mm. or at least that's what I thought, unless it's like yeah. two smaller dicks on either side of her neck. I don't know. <laughs> you know, we can't tell. Got them squirrel but, dicks. Um, he's like, make sure her tits are right and give her two squirrel dicks <laughs> yeah. on the side of her neck. It's something I'm into now. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, they, they, they finally, like, they don't use lightning or anything. They just have, like, I don't know, like piss jars filled with electrolytes or something they use to, to yeah. animate both both monsters they they wake her up and she's like instantly horrified at being alive which is how i feel like most humans come into the world you know as babies we're just like screaming it's like we don't want to be here Mm. why have you done this to me (laughs) um and uh the uh, never goes away yeah the og monster he's just like oh shit and he like chokes her and breaks her breaks her into a million she just falls apart like a rag doll yeah like the stitching work wasn't that great after all um (laughs) do you know what that kind of I, I hate to do it. I fucking hate to do it, but I'm going to do it. Um, Here we go. It, it further reinforces the throwaway comment I made about him being the original incel because as, as soon as he mm-hmm. gets a woman, he doesn't understand her and he ends up resorting to violent acts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he, he's... Yeah. But he is an... I'm not going to say he's an innocent, but he is somewhat a victim in this story still and that can be lost in the later yeah. stages. Yeah. Um, he didn't ask to be brought to life. He didn't be asked to be essentially... I mean, he wasn't abandoned, but he didn't know any better, so he ran out and, and Frankenstein never went after yeah. him. Um, he was shown a small amount of kindness by that old man 
only to have it thrown away and you know pulled away from him and, and replaced with hatred and fear from the rest of the family. Um, so he's had a really, really unfortunate upbringing as short as it has been. It's only been like a few years. Um, he's done very well to take in as much language as he has. That's one thing, you know. I know. Like he, he, he even says, I, I learned language at a faster rate than the woman that came to stay with them. Um, so he's definitely... Incel well, again. Well, yeah. Idiot woman, Idiot right? women, indeed, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, I, yeah, like, so I, I think that he, he is... And again, I, I kind of go back to Joker in a sense because uh, I saw that movie a little while ago and um, I was left with a similar kind of feeling, although I didn't realise it at the time, which was that up to a point I had a great amount of um, pity, I guess is a word for it, for the main character, for um, Phoenix's character. But there's a point at which it all kind of turns and you just no longer can be behind him because he obviously goes too far. Um, like even at a point um, early in the movie when um, th- there's a scene on a train, which I'm not going to give away specifics because people haven't come here for a talk about Joker, but th- there's a scene on a train. I, even after that scene, I still kind of felt sorry for him and I was still somewhat behind him in a way, even knowing where he was going to end up. But there's there's points later on where he completely loses you from a sympathetic point of view because he does stuff that he knows is definitely wrong. Um, Mm-hmm. And Frankenstein's monster is very similar because he is blameless to begin with, but eventually he starts doing things even though he understands them to be bad and evil. Yeah. Um, and like this is one of the oldest morality tales because there's really the, the two main players are sympathetic in, in, in part, but overall you can't forgive them or get behind them. Um, so, yeah, it, it's... It, it was interesting kind of reading through this and, and getting a, a proper feel for the story as it turns out and, and then realising that essentially 100 years plus ago Mary Shelley was writing stuff that people are still having trouble with necessarily acing today and I feel I think she does a, a brilliant job again I'm judging her story based on Ito's interpretation uh, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it, it would be remiss of us to just talk about Ito and, and not mention the fact that yeah. it's based on the story by Mary Shelley. So, um, mm-hmm. it, it, from all uh, from all points, I, I'd say this this really is a uh, a real success, um, and it, it definitely kept me reading. I mean, I've finished this entire book, which <laughs> doesn't happen very often for a book of this kind of size, but. Yeah. You know, the, the stories, just very briefly, I'll just mention the fact that a lot of the rest of the book, and you see it in the chapter headings, a lot of these stories, which I didn't actually read the chapter headings until I was halfway through, are based on a character called Oshikiri. Um, and there are an awful lot of stories with him. Um, and they're all excellent, like really kind of gripping stuff long form stories uh-huh. um, where he's tackling lots of different things you almost feel like he could not be the the. there could not be anyone else less lucky than Oshikiri, the shit that goes on in his life, he loses his best friend, he loses his girlfriend, he loses all of his friends there's stuff going on left, right and centre um, and he's always the one that loses something um, and, and then they do this whole thing where it's like, oh maybe it's not the same guy and you're like, what? <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, it's, it's brilliant storytelling, and this is all Ito's work. You know, this is not based on someone else's yeah. writing, so it shows that he's got mm-hmm. the chops to tell really good short stories. 
um, the, the Oshikiri ones being slightly more long form. And then at the very back of the book, which is the front of the book if you're a Westerner, um, is uh, a bunch of short stories, one of which is in the animated collection that I mentioned earlier. Um, oh, cool. And it's re- they are really good. They're like four, five, six pages each. And it just shows you don't need a lot of real estate to get a really good story told because he sets it up, he gets the payoff at the end, and, and there's very little wasted uh, room uh, in any of these stories. There's some great ones. The doll one especially. When you guys read that, if you get around to reading them, um, you've got to get awesome. back to me and let me know what you think about them because, Jesus Christ, there's some really harrowing stuff in there. Yeah, I read the first of the stories after Frankenstein, uh, Next mm, Spectre. Yeah. Um, which is pretty creepy. It reminded me more, uh, Brent, of the Uzumaki that we read. Yeah. Um, where it's just, like, really fucked up and weird, mm. like, unlike Frankenstein, which is a story <laughs> we all, you know, knew and has a lot more going on for it and is also fucked up <laughs> and weird. But, uh, yeah, it's it's just, like, this weird, creepy shit, and uh, it was fascinating. I loved it. So I read that one this morning. I'm excited to read mm. more of these because his style of storytelling is just so fascinating to me for, for horror stuff. It's like I haven't seen anything like it before. Mm. It's pretty rad. That's no, really, really well done. So um, now I yeah. need to make more room on my uh, on my shelf for uh, Junji Ito stuff because yeah. I, I guess, God go. damn it, boys, you're costing me money here. <laughs> <laughs> that was the goal. Well, that's what we aim to do is to uh, make you spend money and uh, regret your life choices. <laughs> and I think we've succeeded. So it all Yeah, uh, absolutely. I will never regret my life choices unless they're bad <laughs> ones, which I haven't had the misfortune of making many yet. So... I'm still young. <laughs> yeah, right on. Well, um, did you guys have any final thoughts on on Frankenstein? Uh, yeah, it was really good. I really liked it. Um, I'm just a huge fan of his work now, so all of his stuff. Uh, and this was really cool to see something different that we hadn't that he didn't write mm-hmm. and his interpretation of it, which uh, is now the official interpretation to me of the Frankenstein story. I think so. El Task Cannon. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's right. No, I, I'm completely in agreement uh, with Stephen. I, I, I think that this is now my definitive version of Frankenstein. Um, and yeah. I, I've not seen like many, many more other versions. I did actually the other day buy mm. a complete collection of the Universal um, Frankenstein movies. I think there's like half a dozen. Oh, cool. So I'm going to get to watching those at some point. So um, statement subject to change. But at the moment, this is my definitive version because... It's so well written. It's awesome. so well illustrated. Um, it, it moves just at the perfect pace. You never feel, as fast as you read through it, you never feel like you're going too quick or too slow. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's yeah. always so engaging. There's always something to keep you interested. There's new wrinkles uh, that are uh, developed constantly. Um, I cannot recommend this enough. I really can't. Not just for the Frankenstein oh, story, but also... Like if anyone else has the uh, ability to get hold of it, there's so much extra content in this book after the fact that introduce you more to mm-hmm. Ito as a storyteller rather than just an illustrator. And I think that's the reason why, despite the fact that this book is called Frankenstein, it does have that extra stuff in there. Cause I, and I think that's a good idea because some people yeah. are going to buy this purely because it's Frankenstein. And if they're introduced to a new storyteller in Junji Ito and they, they're able to experience some of his stories afterwards, then that gives him every opportunity, as he has with me, to get his hooks in and bring me coming back for more. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, um, I think this is a really, really good volume of, of work and I definitely recommend it to everyone. That's awesome. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm just going to echo both of your guys' sentiments. And, uh, yeah, Junji Ito is a, uh, a perennial 
here on uh, on LTAS where yeah. uh, we think Asian pop culture, usually uh, Ito is the, the one of the people that, that uh, is at the forefront of our minds, you know. Um, okay, well, let's wrap it up here. It's just a, a short one today, uh, just a scant two two hours and 40 minutes and change here. We delivered after the last episode. This yeah, is right. was short. We really went there. Unfortunately, when people have me on a podcast, this is how it ends up working out. And sometimes it's unfortunate. <laughs> sometimes it's great. I'm just... No, this is good. And, and you fit in real well with us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're, we're, we're very verbose. Uh, it's just we usually don't have a lot to say. Uh, but we do talk yeah. a lot, at least me. <laughs> so that's good. Well, uh, Dave, yeah. uh, do you have any plugs? Where can people find you online? Do you know what? I think I... I've pretty much covered all the bases already, but I'll just say it again. Um, if people want links to anything that I do, then probably the easiest place to go is going to be Twitter. So you can mm-hmm. um, you can find me at Real Dave Roberts on Twitter. Um, that I've got links to my uh, YouTube page on there, and um, all of my Sweet. YouTube videos have got all of the information at the end of the videos for everything else. But the uh, the two podcasts at the moment are Erie International and Generation Animation. You can find those both on uh, fanoffmedia.com. Um, and uh, yeah other than that, um, that that's pretty much it as far as like my public stuff I've got a Facebook but I keep that to like friends and stuff um, mm, sure. so uh, yeah that, that's that's pretty much everything and I'd just like to really kind of thank you guys for inviting me on um, it's, oh, yeah, it's not often that I, I get to kind of guest on other people's podcasts and I, I always really enjoy it because uh, you, you do get very used to what you're doing on your own show and so to kind of step out of that bubble and talk to other people about other stuff in a slightly different format it's always really cool to be able to to do that and be afforded the time to waffle on as much as i do so uh thank you thank you yeah Yeah. so thank you to both of you for inviting me on and um uh, i'd love to come back another time absolutely you're you're always welcome uh you're doing a better job than than i do so oh, no congratulations on that that's, that's not hard to do i've had a lot of experience brent and i don't believe you for a second anyway <laughs> well um as for us uh, you can contact us via email at let's talk about stuff podcast at gmail.com and uh boy you think i would have this memorized but i'm trying to read this with glare <laughs> on it uh you can follow us on twitter and instagram at ltas pod you can follow steven on letterboxd and twitter at steven fisher 22 you can follow me on twitter and instagram at brent hibbard and of course follow reginald vell johnson uh who is of course carl winslow from family matters at r vell johnson uh dave uh he is our, our current lord and savior um steven uh, and i are otherwise non-believers but uh, we do follow the church we, of carl. We, are, we are very similar near international except that uh, in, in that instance it's um it's actually um i can't remember his name now i had it a second ago and it's jumped out of my head but uh it, it's the, uh, the the main star of uh, evil dead and uh, and all of those bruce, oh, campbell. bruce campbell god damn it oh, i'm, I'm yeah. so embarrassed how Absolutely. that jumped out of my head i don't know no, yeah, it's yeah. the church of campbell uh established in uh, in germany by andy and bianca and then quickly co-opted by yeah. myself and uh, david in, in the us and the uk so yeah all, all hail the mighty bruce awesome absolutely oh yeah i mean we love carl here but uh bruce campbell's something else <laughs> yeah. so yeah this is the great thing about the church of campbell is that it's completely accepting of other faiths and denominations so so <laughs> oh, you know awesome, there, there yeah. aren't gonna be any holy Sweet. wars between him and carl or anything like no. that so yeah don't worry about that awesome <laughs> perfect perfect carl and bruce are grabbing some beer somewhere yeah that's right <laughs> that's that's big well, for next super <laughs> Yeah. For next week's episode, uh, we don't have any things specific planned. We're just going to do kind of a, a horror pop culture catch up. Um, 
what did you call it? Did you on the on our text thread, Stephen, you called it a. Uh, I was trying to them, Brent. It was a, a, a catch up app, a catch a catch app, a catch app. Yeah. Yeah, rolls right off the tongue. Catch up. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Super easy. <laughs> so we're just going to talk about a bunch of horror stuff we've we've uh, experienced up yeah. to uh, to this point and uh, get into that. But otherwise, I think that's good. So let's uh, let's yeah. bury this episode into the ground and wait for a monster <laughs> cool. to come dig up our severed heads. Excellent. Well, what way to wait to end it. I like that a lot. So, hey, you know uh, yeah, thanks for being on here, Dave. It was, uh, no, it was thank a blast. You. Thank you. Um, we'd love to have you on again. So we'll have to figure out something coming up soon. But uh, mm-hmm. otherwise, uh, it, was, uh, it was good talking to you guys. So until next time, I'm Stephen. I'm Brent. I'm Dave. And let's talk later. Loom. We're <laughs> 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 see you i want you to enter rooms that way i just want you to know if you don't i'm very upset yeah here you go <laughs> perfect yeah spots Boom. on <laughs> So for a sync word, uh, Stephen, um, any any luck on a sync word on your end? Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I was trying. I really tried there. Um, I, I was trying to think of something for um, you know to reference the uh, the comic that I we know. read. Um, Dave, do you have any any ideas? I've got one, but it's it's not it's not okay. great. Uh, how about Justine? Holy shit, that is literally <laughs> what I was going to use for my sync word. <laughs> That's, okay, I'm, I'm totally cool with that because she was so wronged in yeah, this, oh God. this yes. book. Yeah. Uh, boy, we can certainly dive into that. So, okay, perfect. Awesome. That, that actually worked out. Uh, so, Justine on three. Okay. One, two, three. Justine. Justine. He's an apple that's been inhabited by the spirit of a dead cat, and he's kind of a celebrity in Japan, thanks to his impressive heavy metal drum covers. Elevator, escalator, Merry Christmas. Oh, well, actually, I think you'll find. <laughs> Go away, you know, fuck off, leave me alone. You better get the fucking tits right, mate. Oh, she made a donut. Oh, we like that. Oh, what's book? Oh, book made me mad. 
I am currently looking at squirrel penises on Google, guys. Um, yeah, pee comes from the balls and the soul is in the butthole. You know, our, our whole world is on fire and underwater, but our entertainment choices these days, just fucking stellar, guys. Have you have you listened to to Stain recently? Not recently. Um, I so it's been a while. It, it, it has been a while. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> God damn it, Prince. L P A N.